0: And then we're going to go on even more adventures after that, Morty. And you're going to keep your mouth shut about it, Morty. Because the world is full of idiots that don't understand what's important. And they'll tear us apart, Morty. But if you stick with me, I'm going to accomplish great things, Morty. And you're going to be part of them. And together we're going to run around, Morty. We're going to do all kinds of wonderful things, Morty.
1: Just you and me, Morty. The outside world is our enemy, Morty.
2: This is Enter VR, the podcast on all things virtual reality and a lot more. Uh, I'm Chris Miranda, your host, and today I'm joined by, um, to my right, James Blaha. To my left, I have
3: Alpai Casal.
2: Alpai Casal um, and Noah zirkin, zirkin. Al- Noah Cas- Noah. Noah. Um, yes, like thank you guys for joining <laughs> me today. Uh, today is going to be an awesome conversation. Um, let's start with Let's start with something topical. Um, something that I hate about having a meat vehicle in this reality is having to deal with wet shoes mm-hmm. in the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, are yeah. you? Are your feet wet right now?
3: Yes, they are.
2: Yeah, it sucks. Very much. So. I wish
3: I had sandwich bags.
2: It's the 21st century. There should be. There, that's. There's. I have two pet peeves. That and being on the bark on a crowded bark train. And smelling other people's farts, like there should we should figure out a way to like get over these inconveniences, you know? Like there's gotta be some technological something out there. Good shoes
4: and
0: ventilation. Okay, <laughs> there we go. So <laughs> Centuries-old technologies are they already there Oh, kind of I was just thinking that really isn't a pro- the the farts in the subways really not a problem uh, where I live. And there's a and there's really excellent ventilation in the trains. Where do you live? Are you allowed to say where you live? Yeah, uh, Shenzhen. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, I mean, look, where I spend most of my time, I live in Brooklyn. I
3: spend most of my time in Shenzhen. Cool. I'll, I'll say this though, from a, from a, I'm about to get uh, societal and academic about it. The uh, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. Uh, I've I grew up taking the subways there, and I think. Part of the reason that city is so awesome is because people have to mix and And smell each other's other's farts. It's a part of why it's not a super segregated city. I mean, I've traveled a lot for work, and I've always felt that New York has a very special kind of togetherness. And it's probably because of that. Yeah, what's what's the worst fart
2: you've ever smelled on the train? Like, has there ever been one that triggered like well, well, the, almost, kind of like a brown noise? But yeah, I, yeah, I've blocked it, it out for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: I mean there there are late nights. They're just homeless. Yeah, um, on the train. So yeah, I, I, I get. I think that's enough. Puke is the smell. Yeah. Puke is that one smell, Last right. time I was in New York, there was puke across like.
4: Five seats just on one place. Yeah. It was so packed. There's like a little radius around that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now that we're any better, because there's poop right outside the door,
2: right here. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, I almost yeah. stepped on it. So, so it's it's great to be able to live in a city in America. <laughs> Does Shenzhen have any of that? Have you run into any poop or vomit on
0: the street while you live? Okay, in occasionally, there? sure. Occasionally, it's an urban environment. People drink and humans, uh, and occasionally they defecate outside. Yeah, sure, but. Uh, far less common there than here, I, I think, which is saying something, I don't know. It depends
4: <laughs> on the neighborhood, but no, it's not something... I've heard, remember. like, in Japan, the streets are spotless. In Japan, the streets are spotless. People yeah. always remark on that, especially, like, people coming from Japan to here. they always, always say, you know, back home, well, spotless, yeah. Right? yeah, compared to everywhere.
2: <laughs> have you seen the article on Reddit floating around about how Japanese people actually have a 24-hour hotline every time they visit Paris? Because there's a syndrome that they develop over there where they get like they have these expectations or these uh, what of what Paris would be. They they imagine it as this romantic city, this clean city with romantic people, but it's completely the opposite <laughs> when they get there. And they
0: come of just yep. completely throws out of whack, and they have to call the emergency Yeah, there's problem. this
2: culture shock. Fo- that's fo- amazing. Yeah, it's that's um. And I so,
3: did yeah. not see this though, but <laughs> <laughs> I I need to go. Through <laughs> um uh, so yeah that's, so, so that's what, do you, what do you think they're saying on the other end of the line like calm down like, it's, <laughs> it's really clean here it's really romantic here like i don't know <laughs> we know, know it wasn't what you
4: expecting but you just got to work through it now breathe <laughs> <laughs> breathe we prepared a plane ticket
1: back <laughs> oh
4: no <laughs> oh man um
2: so so yeah, let's let's talk about VR um, because you know enough human defecation and vomit and all those embodiedly fluids. Um, VR is oh,
1: finally yeah, I, I, I smell it. a VR simulator though. <laughs> <laughs> In all that. Yeah, you do. That, see, VR can
2: intersect almost every aspect of human life, even
0: even that, even, you know, even, even that, even that. So by by the way, I'm actually not a. I mean, personally, I'm a huge fan of VR, um, but in the whole vr versus ar debate Mm. i'm not conceptually a fan of vr just
2: i'm going to tell you something right now yes i've never i've never seen it or i i refuse to see it framed that way because i think we're we're the same we're the same technology we're brothers in arms i I mean they're
0: both on the mixed reality spectrum Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that said vr uh, by its nature is immersive and therefore Uh, except in special facilities like The Void, you know, um, are stationary. And not necessarily sedentary. I mean, I, you know, it was a workout playing, uh, what was the game? Jibo Man. Jibo Man yesterday. Fun game. Um, Good job, Future Town. Yeah. Future Town are the creators of that.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's just threw a shout out at them. I met them at Unity. I never do this, but anyways.
0: Yeah, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Um, Go ahead, please. Oh, um, uh, AR on the other hand will integrate itself fully, you know, into our existing lives, and yeah. we'll be able to. Uh, people, I mean, people have obviously demonstrated demand for virtual content, for imaginary scenarios, for for the embellishment of one's existence, uh, or or a range of experiences
4: that one can can have. Um, but for entertainment. The, I feel like VR, you know, games, movies, these are things you want to be immersed in. These are things when you're watching on TV sure. you don't pay attention to anything else. Yeah, sure. yeah. I think for et, for like useful things, yeah, AR is your know, phone transforms into AR and all the stuff that, you know, all the ways the phone has enriched our life day to day during normal living, I think that's where AR comes in and adds those modifications. Well, I mean in, in the, you know in world space. Yeah, well, and eventually replaces all of that. I mean
2: and let me ask you this, as someone who's been spending too much time thinking about VR, you know, I've come to these places in my mind where like, all right, this, these are the weaknesses of virtual reality and, you know, I'll have be I'll, I'll enumerate the, or at least the perceived weaknesses uh, by, you know, uh, people who haven't truly, truly tried it or just people who are skeptical like the fact that it could be an isolation creation machine or an isolation chamber, it could be um, a means of escapism. Um, but, but it's but yeah and, 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 and almost every medium can be right and don't get me wrong I well, truth's true but so I'm afraid of so but right think but where, where as you guys being in, in the AR world you know where what weaknesses have you pointed out in your own you know medium you know, where is the where are the weaknesses in AR basically?
0: Okay, so I haven't tried out HoloLens yet. I yeah. know that obviously the field of view on that is... But even conceptually, it doesn't,
2: you know, conceptually as a. What are the
0: conceptual is. weaknesses uh-huh. of AR? Um, what, what are the weaknesses of a perfect implementation of, uh, of AR? Um, I mean, the lack of haptic response, and, unless you have
4: a purpose-built um, environment, you don't have like a depth sensor, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the AR devices we'll be using in five years will have a really good depth sensor on them and know where That's all lovely. the things are in the world yeah. and yeah we'll be mean, able to so interact it, with those for things. Uh, yeah. a,
0: a while back, the, the the way I saw it working, um, uh, who was it? It was Blaise uh, Gary uh, Blaise, Gary Yarkas who was at Microsoft at the time, uh, and he came up with uh, he presented AWE about uh, something he called Read Write World. Uh, which would basically, given a set of coarse uh, geo coordinates, um, uh, you could basically upload a photograph. And uh, But he, he's also the guy who was uh, responsible for the uh, original Photosynth stuff, you know, not the Pano shooting app, but, but the uh, uh, environmental reconstruction stuff, which was really yeah. mind blowing at the time. That was, yeah. um, so uh, basically, you know, once you have a ground truth, so so basically have taken photos of an area and using a camera that's position, been positioned with something like, uh, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it, Millim- uh, carrier face, carrier face GPS, uh, the stuff that they use for surveying and such, but that requires leaving the receiver there for a little while, um, and I think even DGPS isn't quite accurate enough for, for perfect registration, um, but uh, anyway. They have photos in their database. This a, a cloud-based thing. You take a picture, you upload it. Uh, it basically uh, returns the the homography uh, for that picture versus the known, you know, what's already in the environment, and can give you, you know, centimeter-level uh, positioning accuracy uh, just based on the POV of the camera um, uh, with a, the, the point of view of the, the camera versus the existing pictures in the database, which would always be getting refined because you just uploaded another picture. And it's um, cumulative, so it's yeah. always getting better. Exactly. Um, hmm. So everyone is updating it in real time. Uh, and But you just use that to periodically reestablish ground truth. Once you have that, then you can use Slim. Um, and what's Slim. SLAM, uh, Slam. Sim- yeah, simultaneous localization and mapping. Uh, it's basically uh, navigating an environment while building a map of it. So um, and,
3: you and use another, LiDAR for that, or a depth uh, camera, okay. or um, another way to say that. In um, and you've probably seen it online uh, in the form of videos. Uh, Occipital is showing it with their bridge right now Uh, the camera just needs to uh, ascertain some some visual features in an environment and then it can quickly start building up what depth means Um, like what the scale scale of that model yeah that model is and then that's how they can they can obscure models and uh, really get a a sense of depth Wow and uh, and so so slam can be used with different sensing techniques but it's even been proven out just with with video cameras. Well wow. So getting getting the offset from cameras was enough to very quickly and somewhat accurately build out a, a space. So right there
0: behind you, Chris, is uh, one of the robots from Simbi, one of the startups yeah. uh, 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 in this space. Uh, they're also part of Hacks. Uh, and um, it would be worth talking to them about. Uh, Slam just bit. Uh, yeah.
2: By the way, my dog doesn't really like that robot. <laughs> she, she sees that robot and it gives it the stink eye and be like, "I don't know about you, but and but Jenny, yeah, I well, love that uh, robot. <laughs> I think it's a great robot. I, yeah. I like the yeah. robot too. Yeah. I think yeah.
4: it's, it's cool. It's interesting because when you walk by it, it stops and then it kind of follows you as you as you walk by. It, like stops and turns, so you feel like it's aware of you. Is it really? Of course, it's aware. Of you. I mean, yeah, it yeah. is aware of you. Oh, but it has to it aware of, a constant of the changing map. map going on, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. I, there are multiple depth cameras on there yeah um,
2: that's that's really cool let's go back a little, well, let's go back a little bit on the you know perceptual percept perceived weaknesses or the conceptual weaknesses of AR uh, I mean I can give you one practical or one real-world example in the current paradigm the smartphone paradigm I think that we are having a crisis or we're going to develop a crisis where, like, people who are looking down at their smartphones mm-hmm. all the time, we're all going to develop, like, some
0: sort of weird <laughs> thing, you know? Well, it's already weird that we're walking around looking at our hands. Yeah. I mean, which is why I liked Glass so much, uh, even though the execution, you know, wasn't what I would want it to be. But, yeah. um, uh, I really you know, wanted
4: the, to like Glass. I, did um, I wore it for a year. And I we, mean, we, I, we did a hackathon with it, and we were asking ourselves what... What is this more useful than a phone for? Mm. And I think the well, the, the answer that's like really small.
1: Well, and, even and if it
4: were even if it kind of, I mean it, it works, like it worked as it was designed, you know. I mean
0: my my biggest gripe was it was the input was having to but yeah. obviously I mean that's what I'm addressing with my thing. But um but there are lots of ways to address that. Um, and then the dependence on, on uh, voice recognition, which just isn't suitable for, for some environments and, and some social contexts. Um, it just made it clear to me that it needs to know about the world to be useful.
3: So, so I
0: think... Well, but, well, it's not an AR device. Glass isn't an AR device. Yeah. It's a heads-up display. Yeah. And it's just a notification. It's, it's really no better than a smartwatch. Um, except it's on your face. And I think it's kind of cool to, to take the display and move it up to the sensory organ that precedes it and, and so that it's always there. Um, I didn't like that they moved the input up there and I didn't like uh, how limited... Well, I, uh, honestly, over time, they made it sort of harder to do things with glass that weren't part of the official uh, sort of development Strategy. <sighs> yeah, you think
2: Google didn't make it? Sorry, do you think Google didn't make it clear enough that this isn't an AR device? But it, but you know, it screams to me
0: like no. At, at least I, I just was, think they needed to have supported it properly for for what it was. Now everyone knew it wasn't an AR device. It was cool. I mean, there were some neat AR demos. But mm-hmm. the thing is that it's not really registered with. It's not a direct overlay over yeah. the world unless the what you're trying to augment. Is just you know up and to your right, yeah. Um, and and then it's through one eye, it's binocular. Yeah. Um, you can do video pass through AR with it, but then it isn't any different than a phone. Um, but I, I think that that those little you know a head-mounted notification display with or without a camera, it doesn't necessarily need a camera, um, and uh, and then an external input device, which it needs to support. class didn't. There, there was a hack so that you could use HID devices with it, um, uh, which Google shared with everyone. It was part of an I.O. session. And then, um, and then they took that away when they updated to 4.4, which really fucked things up for me because I was building a BLE, a, a hit over GAT, so a human interface device over a GAT profile uh, um, input device. For glass accessory uh, for glass, and so um, so when they finally uh, 4.3 and before uh, didn't have hit over gat, uh, it wasn't a full BLE implementation. 4.4 and on had the full uh, BLE implementation, but when they upgraded to the 4.4 kernel, they just 100% removed support for uh, input devices by. And and they never resolved it. Why? What? Why do you think they did that? No fucking. They question. kind of abandoned it, right? Well, you know, I don't know, but but external. I mean, I was shocked because Thad Starner was on the team, and when I I mean when I first met him, you know, he was walking around with a twiddler recording keyboard in, in a holster, and um, cool, uh, yeah, and this little display module hot glued to safety glasses. This is the. Uh, it was a summer camp field trip to the MIT Media Lab in, like,
3: maybe 94 or something like that. Um, that was pretty neat. And the Twiddler keyboards were really popular in the first days of VR back in the 90s. Yeah. Um, that was the way you
1: no,
3: navigated so, so And actually, the Glass hackathon I was at, there was a guy with a Twiddler where
4: his project was supporting it in the Glass. I mean, it's,
0: it's so important to a heads-up display to have external input devices. I also, I mean... They also experimented with many, many different uh, input, external input methods for glass. Um, And, uh, I mean, I was, uh, I mean, I can't swear to it. It The second hand information I was told is that they basically decided they didn't want an additional thing in the box that could be lost that would compromise the full glass experience. So basically it had to be a self-contained experience. That's it. They still sort of supported third-party input yeah, devices. Yeah. Um, I, I say this as somebody who got you know, burned pretty hard by the fact that they didn't. Yeah. Um, but anyway...
3: Uh, I'd like to add some like, some bright side stuff about uh, Glass, which yeah. is Google, in my eyes, um, achieved something major here, and it helps us with where we are today, with the momentum that's, that's happening today. They, um, they created... Uh, a whole new kind of device that all manner of person started wearing right away. And it fell out of fashion, and people had some hardware problems with, with tape, but uh, the, the, the demographic of who I saw wearing them um, didn't all match the early adopter nerd guy. There were different kinds of people wearing it. Just people enthusiastic about the future. Yeah, <laughs> and, that. and that Google sense. was the right brand to actually do that kind of outreach, I think. So for Google to do this as an experiment, um, I think first they, they uh, surprised me with who they reached with, with with their outreach. And then on top of that, it started to create a dialogue that we have today with VR. Um, VR got a huge, huge boost from Oculus' uh, Kickstarter campaign. But I, I think um, it's not mentioned that Google Glass had a lot to do with how we were maybe trained to perceive the, the next step. The and idea maybe, of wearing technology on our heads. Yeah, and yeah. I, I really like what you said about the, you know, the, the display being close to, to our sensor, you know, because then it becomes an extension of who we are. Uh, augmented reality, uh, by definition, is, is an overlay on, on, on what we're seeing. Um, but what you mentioned harkens uh, back to, like, more of, more of a, a singularity thing where we are we are upgrading ourselves. Um, And VR doesn't exactly do that, you know, Google was doing that in a really simple and early form. I
4: I would actually take the exact opposite take on it. I agree that the point of all this stuff is to augment ourselves, there there are cognitive enhancements. So far the most powerful cognitive enhancements we have are the phone and the laptop, probably. and the reason why I didn't like glass was because it wasn't. It didn't add much more in terms of pure productivity usefulness. Right. For me, but he was talking. Home. He was talking about AR, not glass. Yeah. yeah I mean, AR will. I just haven't. And I don't I, consider. You know, I glass, haven't seen anything that works yet that does right, right. that actually makes me more productive. In VR, I hadn't seen anything until the last couple
3: months. Yeah, so so, so. I don't I don't consider glass. So not yeah, You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, but it's gonna be. Yeah, I mean, it's going to make us so much more productive once it's it's everything we want
3: from it. You yeah. know, I, I, VR is yeah. sexy. VR is glamorous. VR is entertainment and games, and so it's going to make the splash it's that it is. Too. It's productivity um, too. visualization. CES has um, regurgitated the number of novelties you could put into a big a TV that has maximum res and a curved surface and everything you could throw at it for enough years in a row now that the consumer market needs a new big hit. It needs something that's really going to draw the spendiest demographics and VR is going to do that um i'd like to see the foundation laid well so it's nurtured because that will then lead into the very human use cases that augmented reality can actually supply we're going to see vr in healthcare we're going to see it in all kinds of really human stories that aren't entertainment but i think the very humanistic use cases that will be sustained over time will be in the case of ar and those are very vertical markets very purpose-driven builds um, it's not It's it's it won't be the war of consumer electronics giants that we see with um, with VR, probably. Well, VR is just a subset of AR, right? Like, any AR device, you put a bag over your head and it's
4: VR? Is that, is uh, that essentially... That's a way to look at it.
1: Could be, yeah. uh, well, I mean...
4: <laughs> <you>
3: know, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a, a romantic view. <laughs> Given
0: the standard that's been set with the new current generation of, of sort of VR optics that, you know, started with what Palmer Levy did, with, you know, uh, in his garage um the field of view the expectation for VR, VR field of view is much higher than it is for well, that's AR that's what we want for AR. Too. Uh, absolutely yeah. 100% that said it's much easier to do it for VR than it is for AR because you need to maintain uh, unwarped optical transmission through these display elements so yeah. you you need a, you challenge. need a yeah absolutely you, you need good. an optics pathway you need a a, a, a you know, collimation and, and focusing uh, optics that, that you can't put in front of your eyes without it completely distorting the world around you. And the way glass and some of the others do it is using uh, basically a beam splitter. Um, in, in the case of glass, it, it passed, half of the light passed through and then it was, you know, I actually don't fully understand. Yeah, how will, I, I, I will uh, no
4: question... Is Vive with its pass-through camera AR? Well, well like, sure, yeah.
0: Video pass-through AR so is you, you AR. Can, is that um, you could definitely call
3: is that, that, that when it's going to happen? No, no, no,
4: no. So here, what do you, like so here's really no. low latency binocular cameras. No, no, because not. because
3: <laughs> it, it it matches up with the definition of AR, but uh, sorry, AR, but it doesn't match the promise of AR the same way VR uh, didn't live up to its Why promise not? in the past because of technology. I feel like and that, that one might be better in the end. You don't want to see
0: actual photons. You, you don't well, if you want have a light field display with high
4: resolution, than your
3: eyes can handle. What does it matter? And then you have more control over modifying it. So a stereoscopic, a a stereoscopic, a stereoscopic webcam view of the world probably isn't what I'd want to see for like a long period of like, time. Like
4: perfect resolution. Like it's it's going to be perfect. Okay. resolution. Okay. So
3: then it's a story of the technology, the promise chasing technology that isn't there, um, and that's where we were. 30 years ago with VR. So, so yeah, you could say that that's true. But yeah, the sure. resolution's going to be there. You know what?
0: It's yeah, yeah, yes. sure. It could happen. Yeah. It could happen. Yeah. That it, might be but the but way. Is it going to be
4: cheaper than to do it with these other technologies where you're selectively looking at, light light at through one power. moment in
0: time? It might be the case that yeah. it's cheaper. That will inevitably change. I mean, these things shift. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the current AR implementations uh, are. Based so so far as we know on less than perfect technology, um, you know we'll see what Magic Leap has. Uh, I don't know. Um, what are you theorizing? What do you think Magic Leap and uh, M- Magic Leap might have? I have no idea what honestly what a transparent white field display entails. Uh, conceptually, I understand the the static ones, and I you know maybe. I mean, is it a screen door? I mean, are you? Is, yeah, that's I I that's the trick. They're they're talking about stuff right? that.
4: I'm sorry. It's going to reduce bright. Like they're going to have some minimum level they can fill the pixel, like. I don't. When it's most transparent. I like, don't
3: actually know the the principles involved. So so I mean, so so it's weird because there's a lot of talk about something that hasn't really been seen. Yeah. Um, demonstrated. Their are out. So, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen sure. those
4: yet. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it seems like they have basically pixels which can go to some minimum level of transparency, not 100% transparent, and then from each one of those, they can project um, or give you uh, that pixel at eight different accommodative distances Mm -hmm. or focal distances. Um, And It seems like that's basically what they're promising, so it's probably not going to be perfect resolution, it'll probably not be full field of view. It seems like field of view is the one thing both HoloLens and Magic Leap are really Small on. By. yeah, and yeah. I think that's the thing they have to solve before it seems better than a VR device with with that field of view. I mean, what what you need is per pixel variable focal optics, um, and, and their videos I mean, seem to say that that's what they have, plus a good depth map on the world live because they're doing like occlusion and stuff. Well, in, I, in the video they showed on YouTube,
0: I mean, it's.
3: Show it to me. <laughs> I no,
0: want to sorry. see it. I want to play
3: with it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it.
0: Yeah. yeah, doing, doing inclusion, law, uh, yes, I'm sure it involves a depth camera or, or some, you know, whether it's a stereo cam implementation or I'm sure it's a real depth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it know, seems like a, a direct something. competitor to
4: HoloLens. They're lo- loosely pretty close to the same thing except magically has the, the light field stuff.
0: Right, no, it's all about the yeah. display tech. I mean that's yeah. the that's the missing component yeah. and that's the only missing component really in AR and then miniaturization. Well I the, think the death like, map is the biggest the computers. The issue. But
4: what? The live death map is is what's missing yeah. the most maybe. That's Why? easier today than it's, it's ever th- been. I mean I just haven't seen it working like like on a meta or something. Like they have it, but it's not working up to the standard that would you know let let me stick an augmented reality Op, an, you know virtual object to this physical object and keep it there in place without it wiggling when you move your head around and well, So have you tried and... HoloLens? I haven't tried HoloLens. Neither so.
0: have I. And what I'm told is that that's where it shines. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, is that that's Me where too. it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try it next week. Oh, next cool. Alright, yeah. uh, okay. report back, please. Totally yes. you know, yes. yes. yeah. Um, and and maybe MetaSlam isn't
3: perfect yet. Yeah, and it'll yeah. get there. No, so, for sure. I think it's. It's definitely tra- all going to get there. The question just the, the depth map and tracking part doesn't really scare me because that's all being worked on in many different ways, and um, it all looks like progress to me. Yeah, it's 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 all coming together. Each separate node, you know. It it seems like
2: it seems like the technological challenges will be solved. Um, well, but what about what about do you guys envision the rise of a new anti-cyborg movement? Like uh, yeah, in San someone, Francisco, there someone was... someone got beat up. Someone, well, someone got beat up in France because he had a, a glass and... or in San Francisco is a bar where like they kicked out a some chick because she was wearing glass. Right. I mean, and, and, and how the, do the you famous the the, really, you good, the, the really really black famous black old story? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah.
3: was uh man Stephen, Mann? Stephen. Like, yeah. Stephen yeah. Man. Stephen Man. Stephen Man. He was getting mugged in the McDonald's. He was in a McDonald's and at that time, do you guys know who he is? He's. I remember seeing new story. Okay. Right. So he's he's a classic. Uh, figure in in all of this. He's the roots of all this. And um, back back in the in, in the 90s, he wasn't hooked up biologically yet. He was still carrying a lot of technology on him, but he was he was living in um, in, in a mixed reality world. But the the uh, I'm not sure exactly what year it was, but at some point he actually jacked in. Like he his his electronics were attached to his head. Um, and uh, a guy in McDonald's who was online with him, and I might get this story wrong, so, uh, so I'm sorry, but uh, said, take, take that camera off, take, take that shit off. I don't, I don't like to be on camera. And Steve Mann was saying, I can't. I, it's, it's part of me, I can't take it off. And the guy says, take it off. I'm gonna hurt you if you don't take it off. And he couldn't, and the guy ripped it off of him, and blood and everything uh, was happening there, you know, in front of the McDonald's registers and um so that's that's the first as far as I know of a cyborg story out in real life and the an video from movie. the device went up on YouTube <laughs> right I I you know what? Or was it like I, a I, cell phone from the outside or something? I so remember seeing the video. It's like a of scene it. out of Robocop. Yeah, or totally, or like, totally. Yeah, it's it's something. it's <laughs> um it's an amazing it's an amazing occurrence. My my understanding
0: is that it was the McDonald's staff and that they had oh, no photography or recording policy oh, okay. in the store. Okay. And they actually came out from behind the counter and assaulted him. Whoa! And the, um, shit. better shit! And um <laughs> and then and so the the whole argument. That he makes is it that it doesn't store any footage that it's uh, taking in, processing, spitting out. Um, and uh, but then he had stills of it, and he said, "Well, that's because it got damaged, and that's what was in the frame buffer at the time, or or in cache, or whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how there were. I don't remember. Was there footage from it? Yeah, I remember I seeing it.
4: footage. Yeah. So it must have been from cell phones all around it, which is kind of funny that he's super worried right. about the but thing no, that but wasn't but recording if it is all these recording devices. But not from the ITAP, but... The yeah, yeah, no. I think the videos were from cell cell phones from people who are just there watching it. I'm old, mm-hmm. you know. Got it.
2: What is it about human beings and and seeing someone being? Is it just this uncanny valley thing, or is it, is it like you're not? That, that's not human. No, I think it
0: has a lot to
4: do with how we've portrayed it in our fiction and media. Yeah, yeah. We've mm, yeah. yeah. created fair, lots of unsympathetic characters. A person sees where a camera, they don't know if it's recording or not. People don't want to be filmed without their permission and. Glass didn't bother anybody in China. The only
0: reason I stopped wearing it was because they cut off the Google back-end services. Well,
4: yeah. it, it, it is, like, not fair that people would care about that and not care so much about phones being out all the time. Right, like, yeah. It's not really fundamentally different from having a f- access to the phone all the time.
1: Mm. And
4: that's, yes, and I right. guess if, you never know when it's recording or not. It's always out, so you, maybe you think it's not and it is or something like I that. I mean, which is why
0: I said with or without it. Camera earlier when I was talking about mm-hmm. the the kind of just sort of peripheral notification display that I think there's still room for in the meantime, um, you know when we're at home we can have our VR experiences for the time being until you know consumer AR is of an acceptable quality in the meantime I think there is some utility to low profile heads up displays right. um, and uh, but maybe not. Much more than
3: what we have with smartwatches. Yeah. Do you guys remember Justin TV? Yeah. Okay. So the mission there, or it wasn't the mission of the business, but I guess it was the mission of Justin to uh, stream or record daily life constantly, all oh, the yeah, time. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and um, and there were there was no there was no Singularity conversation, there was no Cyber conversation, but he's talking about basically digitizing his life. Um, and I don't know how long it lasted, but that was. Have you seen Black Mirror? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah one, of the, the, the one of the episodes, yeah, where yeah, they're all yeah. constantly going back to, with, to the
4: recorded version of their life. Yeah. That's so going to happen in some these, form. What did so you,
0: are, you think of the little key fob remote control that they all carried around for accessing their memories? Just it, out of curiosity. It didn't look
4: crazy to me or anything. It was okay, It's interesting. Good. And it seemed like, you know, it was more, co- like it looked really simple on the outside, but it was more complex than that, and they were, you know, they, I, I think they, did a, they do a good job of, of uh, kind of looking ahead a little bit in terms yeah. of the technology. Yeah, that rocked my world a little bit. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. What
2: are so be, in this? Usually in this podcast, before we had really light, we go really dark first. Okay. Um. And so let's get dark. I I think um. You know, where do you what do you think is the nightmare scenario for a AR as an industry? And, and I'll throw VR first.
1: Yeah, um, VR is easier here. Yeah,
2: because VR. Oh well, well I I'll throw some curveballs at you. Okay. <laughs> so we've thought we thought okay. this through a lot. Okay. Um, All right. I mean. So, Ready Player One's
0: a pretty dismal universe. Uh,
2: yeah, that's bad, but I ha- I'm pretty sure I can top that. Okay. Um, so I've, I've thought about this, and I think that the worst thing that you can use this technology for is have a Jim Jones sort of scenario, uh-huh. where you can you, you utilize this um, technology somehow to start some sort of cult church inside VR and persuade the people in the following to commit mass suicide. I don't know why Jim Jones did it in the first place, but this is something that I think
4: could be a, a total nightmare scenario there's for Or mobilize them for military you know, purposes. I think would be scarier than a mass suicide. Yeah, that's true, that's true.
0: I mean, mind control of any sort, of recon, yeah. reconditioning people. Yeah. Um, there's an anime called... Uh, <gasps> although it might mean there's hope for all the Trump supporters. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, if they could be reconditioned, they they might actually turn out to be decent human beings. I've thought about this. I've
2: actually thought about how VR can actually you can you rewire your brain through experience, and I think Mm -hmm. that with VR, you know, and 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 if we were able to rewire the brain in a way that um, we. Are strengthening the neural pathways to the empathy centers of the brain, and making sure that people are just more and more empathetic. Mm-hmm. And it's some some. It feels like you know your 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 violent criminals, your sociopaths. Instead of sending them to jail, you send them to these rehabilitation centers where like they're programming. Would, yeah, yeah, so,
1: man, so, James, you gotta call it that way. <laughs> yeah, that so sense. there's a, there's an anime <laughs> called Psycho
3: uh, psychopaths, which. Is exactly about this, wow. pretty much, um, and it speaks to kind of uh, at the time there was no Facebook in the picture uh, with Oculus, but it's it's a social network where it's okay that people are kind of addicted and online, uh, but they're also using sensors to uh, to do a little bit of Minority Report in figuring out if somebody's capable of um, of anger and violence and crime and and take yank them out of society. Um, so you end up with a bunch of people who who are so um, so soft, if you will, so, so malleable uh, that um, there, there's no way to really keep everybody uh, kind of happy. There's nothing there's nothing about life that uh, is is primal anymore. And, wow. um, and I, I, I'm veering off of the show's topic a little bit, but um, but I think there's going to be heavy impact on what we know to be uh, social interaction and society. Uh, I mean, Is it going to be worse the, though in terms of brainwashing than TV already is?
2: I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, we're going from the television paradigm to the telepresence paradigm, and I think right. presence has a more
4: activates more parts of the brain. I, I think, think the way to, to look at to that me. is that you know there's all the way back like telling stories to reading to radio to TV to VR to AR like there, there's this trend towards having greater and more accurate control over a larger portion of sensory input. Yeah, but I mean,
0: but a, 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 I would say that a proactive, activated, as, as you put it, brain is going to be more resistant to, to brainwashing. If you have than, more control over Than one that is in sort of the, the trance state that's induced by television. I don't give people that much credit. You can but, get
2: pretty, you can get into trance states in VR, and I think even more. Yeah, yeah. so if sure. the
4: trance state's what's needed, you can generate, like, TV's a subset of VR. Right, like you can put a TV up in VR. Yeah. If, that, if that's the right thing to yeah, do right, right. to get them, you'll just have the optimum version of that.
3: Let me, Let me throw this at you. So, so I think the dark um, side of both yeah. So I think initially you're gonna have uh, two kinds of um, VR interactions, which is a very casual one that might look like the the old uh, what's it called ViewMaster style mm-hmm. stuff. Like, hey, look at this! And you're at home for Thanksgiving, and you're passing around the Viewmaster of old, which is now maybe a Gear VR, right? And um, and everybody gets a taste of it, and it's cool, and they play with it for five minutes and put it down, and everybody's experienced it. Uh, that's very casual. And then you've got somebody who I might fall into this camp that might really get into what's uh, what's possible with it, might get carried away, might spend more time inside a virtual world crafting virtual... Relationships that are real, but through virtual avatars. And, and so we're going to see different kinds of addiction there and real changes in the way people use it and live because of it. Um, so I agree that it would have a different impact than television did. I mean, the telephone changed the world, right? Yeah, telephone did a lot, a, a huge thing. But this is, this is, we should, this is, but, way, but is it we should check for. A brainwashing device it, it can be if can I can be. create that environment
4: it's more it's powerful just, technology in general
2: two side notes we should check for withdrawal syndromes after I come back from the 100 hour project <laughs> um, yeah. To yeah see to see if there are like you know withdrawal syndromes like from you know alcohol or through so by or the way how large a volume are you gonna have um, as big as I can get the 15 by 15 foot volume yeah and then I'll use the pass-through camera to use the toilet um, oh.
3: if, if I can't get a bidet from hotel Nico Um, This sounds like an amazing project, but I think part of what will affect people down the line is um, a different kind of content than maybe you'll have for your experiment. That's true. I mean, you, I don't think you can, I could be totally wrong about this, but I think real addiction will come from many facets of the worlds that will be created. Yeah, um, and that it not far off. Just in the next couple of years, tell, can, tell me you the Candy a- Crush of VR is coming. <laughs> <laughs> tell,
2: tell me you'll have access
0: to the uh, Unreal Editor or, or yes. some other environment figure. Yes. Yeah, so can you spend your hundred hours building out a world to and That is exactly what I awesome. intend on doing.
2: Yeah, oh. that is exactly. And if I get a little reskin bit... your room a bunch of times, yeah, <laughs> and flip between them. It's, yeah, you could totally do that. Um, but one thing that I see this. Technology. I mean, one another nightmare scenario, or another scenario that I see is when AI starts combining, mm-hmm. or when AI becomes aware that we're all using these headsets, and then AI starts brainwashing us um, inside
3: these worlds. It's interesting that machine learning and VR is kind of the two hot topics right now, and progressing really fast. Mm. Like machine learning is, is has drum so drum much fire behind it. I would say.
2: Yeah. I think, and they intersect. Yeah. I mean,
0: they, they really do. I mean,
3: or they will, or they will very soon. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, and it's it's extremely
0: exciting and terrifying. It's very weird to see it becoming the mainstream narrative as someone, you know, as a kid who grew up reading Gibson and Stevenson yeah. and... Uh, and Bingy for AR, and, and... This was still a fringe
3: language, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this in is all part of the... the Samsung, like, my mom knows about a lot of this now. Yep. Um, because she's saying, oh, you can get a free Gear VR if you upgrade your phone to me. And, like, mom? Yeah. I, well, I... Yeah, so I just got back. Uh, I mean, I've, She's giving me
0: advice. <laughs> that's crazy. I've spent almost no time in, in the U.S. in the last couple of years, and so... Coming right. back and seeing... A, hmm. It was an Edge 7 uh, commercial hmm. yep. with, with the Gear VR on my friend's TV. And I was like, it's wait, wait, seriously? It. This is mainstream television advertising yeah. at this point? It, Holy
4: yeah. shit. Happened all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> you look back, it's, it's <laughs> gone so fast. Yeah. It's mm.
0: happened so fast. I mean, I, I had to hunt down a, a Gear VR developer edition to bring back to a friend of mine in China. And, uh, and then... And they couldn't even
4: activate it uh, because of the firewall. Um, and didn't, they didn't let it work on international, like a lot of international phones. Was that it? Yeah, we ran into that problem. Although
3: um, I, I don't think his phone necessarily was the problem. Well, uh, I'm uh, not sure. Oh, but probably because of the national firewall, because of China's firewall. Yeah. Facebook
2: isn't allowed, and Facebook is a Oculus is a Facebook company, and therefore Oculus Store doesn't.
0: No, just a matter of being able to hit the servers to yeah. authenticate. To get out of the whatever. country, yeah. and then uh, I think they weren't allowing it to work through a VPN. So I guess yeah, they were probably rejecting external. Uh, wow. I mean, in the same way that Glass originally wasn't supposed to get transferred.
3: So going places. back to dark side, now we're talking about crossing um, physical, uh, you know, political boundaries. With people, they they will need to set up proxy servers and you know go to <laughs> create their network in order to get this content and have these experiences. So that that's going to be interesting too. Yeah. Because there's a set, there's a there, there will be haves and have-nots, and the have-nots um, presumably will want this too, and yeah. have to figure out how to get it.
2: We may well, wouldn't it benefit the haves to hand this out for free to all the have-nots in order
3: to control them? In China in China's sake you're talking about yeah, the, coins, the so, right? Yeah, you're talking about the government allowing access. Oh man, what a different what a different yes, of Give it
0: to all the have nots.
2: But then what's worse then to, for the haves to for the for the masses to have the technology and being controlled by the haves, or for their for the have nots to enjoy real life without and then the haves do have it. I don't know. What do you what's worse? What does it mean to be alive at that point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So,
3: so um, again, I'm I'm going into a territory I don't know much about. But I read recently that uh, like North Korea has its own CPUs, mm-hmm. um, its own operating system uh, that looks very Apple-like. It looks like OS X, but it's not. It's it's the national OS running on national chips. Um, so imagine what the national VR content would, would be like. It's, wow.
4: Um, you know, that would be an interesting project. <laughs> yeah. Careful what you say. We'll, we're all going to produce work. some, uh, <laughs> you know, sample North Korean propaganda in VR. Yeah. Release it.
0: No. No. Now, Chinese VR experiences, on the other hand, are going to be just fine because they're all ordering vibes. And, yeah. Right. yeah. It's coming out of there,
4: right? Yeah. yeah. And at some level, you can't stop. Like you can stop some major percentage of people from getting access to whatever the open alternative is.
3: Yeah. You can't stop it entirely. So in Japan right now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first massive multiplayer is going online soon, and it's uh, IBM is behind this. see PC yeah, massively multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, and it's using Watson, uh, parallelized. Computing to figure out how to scale up and down for because VR VR requires a pretty big lift especially when you have twenty thousand people in the same world at the same time so they're doing this pilot project to uh, to figure out what those minimums and maximums are um, and it's it's modeled after a popular sword manga art online and anime. is yeah, that it yeah sword, sword, art right yeah sword art so um, so that's that's also going to be quite interesting because uh, there's there's a lot of research. I think we're going to be able to pull out of that that they didn't intend, that they didn't, that wasn't part of their mission in a way in the first place. Wouldn't
2: you say that we, um, if we look at something like No Man's Sky, where they have these 18, bil- 18 quintillion <laughs> planets, somehow right. pr- procedurally created, like how you many know, zeros? <laughs> it's it, it would, don't we already have the framework for something that could be that massive MMO for VR inside that game? Um, you know why use Watson at this point?
3: Well,
4: it'll it'll be built. Yeah, it'll
3: be built in different
4: ways. My understanding is Watson is just their branding for a collection of well-known machine Probably. learning techniques. Probably, I think so. Um, I think so. So you know, everyone, machine, a bunch of techniques just got pretty useful for a lot of people. Yeah. In the last couple of years, so pretty much everyone's going to be using it on some level. Just like Amazon has their machine learning cloud stuff, which is also like a layer on top of a lot of the yeah, techniques, yeah. which makes it
1: easier.
3: Yeah, Watson's in the mix because it's the poster boy of academia using parallel processing. But it's the machine uh, side of it has been around for a long time. Uh, <laughs> There's a dog outside. Let me get well, it. Please keep talking to uh, Just
0: yeah, so yeah exponentially accelerating progress. Amazon throwing Yeah, uh, or it, it's. It seems like not exponentially growing, exponentially accelerating, Mm -hmm. and uh, all because of the getting faster, faster, you know, cross-discipline impact of one, of, you know, one set of technology
4: on another, and and, uh, I think people forget pretty quickly how much progress there's been in the last 10 or 15 years. What do you guys
2: think about what happened with AlphaGo lately? How do you feel about this AlphaGo development, where the um, was it Google DeepMind was able to beat the world's top Go player? Right, I just read about that. And, I mean, I don't Leo. know much so about. Won the match? Yeah, <laughs> the at, at the this point, match is going on right now. Um, at this point, I don't know much about Go as a game, but th- I, what I do know is that this is one of the games where like they held it as like, yeah, well, you beat us at chess 20 years ago. You'll never beat Go.
4: Right. So yeah, Go is never ever ever gonna be beaten by a brute force technique. So, you know, and chess mostly was, you know, some handcrafted rules plus brute force search. And so back then they were saying, well, this is what, what we know about complex computers winning at complex games. Yep. Go will, like, not get beaten in
3: forever unless the algorithms change. So the machine learning and AI um, will get to a very sci-fi place very fast. Right. This is just inevitable. It's going to. It's getting better. It's getting worked on. Um, the self-learning techniques exist. I, are you the belief that this is the existential subject of our time? Um, so yeah. 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 It's, yeah. Uh, you think it's mean, the biggest
0: threat to the species as a whole. It's it, you know. It's
3: really easy to go there. Why
0: well, speaking absolutes? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest. It's a big threat. It's yeah. a big damn threat. Yeah. There are others.
4: Um, yeah. I, I think a big fundamental question well, is: what, Is what, it going to be emergent or what, what other threats are, are have the same kind of... Uh, I don't
0: know, bioweapons, gray goo, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. climate change, uh, population growth. Well, I think most, um, like, like AI is probably on a
4: growth shorter growth level growth than, growth climate, growth than growth climate change, and, like faster growth. timeline than climate change, right? <laughs> I would say, but yeah, definitely, have definitely
2: uh, AI would happen faster than climate change at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so
4: or, or or I mean well happen So in a way that will kill all humans, the, like not in a way that's going to affect I, billions of humans. I but. think more human.
3: <laughs> I think more humans will die uh, over the in about fifty years when oil really starts to run out and things really start to get grimy in the Middle East. That's uh that has nothing to do with any of this technology. That's a military machine and but it could. Education. So I, I, I have a
4: prediction surrounding, surrounding oil, cream, which right. I, which I'm getting fond of, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts sure, on it. Sure. Um, um so, something I've kind of heard is that once you once people who are heavily invested in oil, in producing oil, believe that renewables will become cheaper than oil in the future, it'll mean that oil will never go up again in price. That the the wisest thing for them is to keep selling it because now it will be the highest price as renewables get more and more cost effective. And so at some point, whenever there's a critical mass of those people believing that it's imminent that renewables will pass cost effectiveness in oil, Mm -hmm. the oil market will crash and we'll flood the market with cheap oil, which is the worst thing we could do for climate change. Maybe it's great for the economy, right? Lots and lots and lots of cheap energy. Well, hopefully we've transitioned away from internal combustion engines and shit.
0: which okay,
3: I don't, don't think happen. is gonna happen I think no. we are still married to oil as a as a, as a renewables as, as a coal in efficiency
4: not too long ago like h- how long are we away
3: from renewables in, in price efficiency
4: passing oil I don't know how far away or I don't know uh, either so I don't I don't <laughs> it's an important question that I don't to think, think as a
3: population as a as a world population we're moving away from oil fast enough for it to matter like the business I think we've already passed the point of no return yeah it looks good on paper uh the the removal story but it's it's a dark grim future of like we don't we don't need a lot of justification to go in and just take what we need because the starbucks delivery truck can't run today you know so first world nations will just do grabs um it, i i call it a kind of a modern day colonialism and it's resources like it was the last time around um, but trying to bring it back to the technology we're talking about yeah so AI won't kill us uh, <laughs> the, the greedy governments will but um, but there's there's going to be a lot of shift in society maybe more than we've ever seen um, there's going to be more war in my you know, like dystopian future. Right, I, I, I think I think it's going to get there. Um, the, our generation will be old guys by the time that's happening. But maybe that means that there's going to be much more of a desire for people to escape. Um, the news will be grimmer than ever. And so maybe virtual Rivers worlds... This is dark. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to go dark. Yeah, so, we're going dark. So the appreciation of virtual worlds really can go to bizarre places because... The, the the world's under constant threat uh from sp- splintered groups versus um you know on, on us versus them But kind of mindset won't go i guess
4: with. I, in general i kind of worry that power has been centralizing over history so as, as technology improves power has been centralizing to fewer and fewer people and this the major safety valve that we've always had is that armies were made of people and people yep. could say right. not to fight mm-hmm and at some point there's going to be a biggest drone army that doesn't Agreed. have very many people, and it's an ever-decreasing number of people it takes to maintain that army. It's happening
3: yeah. now. It's happening now with drones. The U.S. leads that by- Yeah, so and whoever's
4: in control of the U.S. plus allies drone army- Yep, yeah, Google. <laughs> you know, <laughs> has, has the power. This is where AI would come in because isn't this where
2: we're building the weapons for the thing that will wake up eventually to use against well,
0: us so possibly? that's the question is, talking about software is is, intel- yeah. is intelligence going to be emergent or is it going to Define happen it. by design or in such a way that we can put constraints on it or guide the kind of intelligence that emerges and then, or, 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 that we bring online. Can you define so, emergent? What is, what do you mean by emergent? Basically, creating a complex enough network uh, that that a self organizing logic emerges from it, and, Sounds pretty and, uh, yeah, and yeah, and becomes and becomes I, aware. I think that's the likely an, outcome.
4: Well, um, unless we deliberate, happen. or it's the default. Oh, okay. I, Without more conversation and kind of direction and design, it, it, if people don't start really paying attention, that's the most likely thing to happen if no one starts. And The whole open AI thing, I think, is an attempt to control this. It's a billion dollars of research well, to, to, that, to answer okay. that, hopefully.
0: Well, I mean, if we're creating levels of complexity, and we are, if we're creating levels of complexity from which emergent technology or, or, or emergent intelligence could. We have no idea what the minimum is for the self-improving
4: system, right? Like it, we, could be, like, we could be just on the border of having a, a system that improves itself and then bootstraps itself into intelligence, or we could be 100 years away. And it seems like, like I, I personally have no idea how close we are.
3: I'm wondering what the real question is here because the militaries will always maintain a control over their smart weapons. They'll never let the weapons be so smart that- Well, not necessarily. I, I, I think the, the scary scenario to me
4: is you have a team of hardworking people solving a practical problem who are using mach- new, brand new machine learning algorithms. Maybe mm-hmm. they're putting a couple together in a unique way that no one has ever done it before. Yeah and it's a system which has access to changing itself in some way as it learns to go through the problem and it optimizes to fix their problem and it becomes so powerful so it doesn't i think it's kind of irrelevant to talk about if it's aware if it has goals or if it has more like none of that really matters if it is powerful enough to achieve that goal or or to warp the goal or or to not you know us in some form we have, we have no control over what that goal might be and it might run away with itself. So Skynet plus matrix. But so, well, maybe with no intelligence at all, right? Like, so maybe there's a be way automated it, systems
0: for detecting, you know, sentient behavior. How do we,
4: that's that's
2: a good question. How do we define sentience? And how do we, you know, how, at what point do we say, all right, this, this this is self-awareness. There's This this synthetic thing is self-aware right now. Do we have any, like, metrics well, or ways of thinking about it? Well, since we're, since we're running
3: out? towards trying to to create an artificial intelligence, there are tests in place, and Alan Turing yeah. devised the first version of that. And um, so uh, I think I think te- technologists are building the tools as as they're needed. Yeah. Um, but... But, uh, but it but, might become dangerous way before it passes a Turing test.
4: I oh, sure. Or the other way around, too, right? It could be passing Turing tests and, and be totally dumb and have no... <laughs> Let me throw you throw another scenario at you,
2: and this it's, and it's actually the scenario I use in my mind to sleep every night. That <laughs> helps me sleep, and I I think it's so it's to, to me it seems like uh, super intelligence or you know really yeah. strong AI um, will proceed or will, will be after a more like a norm, standard more normal AI where I think. Um, you know, and one of the things that I think is not very much discussed is that, you know, human jobs and the economic and social structures that we are all living under where people wake up at 9 a.m. and they go to a job and they come back at 5 and, you know, rinse and repeat. And, you know, you got all these jobs like uh, truck drivers and taxi drivers that in the next five years are probably going to lose their jobs because, the, you know, self-driving cars are just so much more better. Um, then you have doctors and lawyers because you know deep learning is doing these things so much better as well. And I and I'm wondering whether you know whether we as a as as a society or as a civilization are ready for that that change in you know that sh- economic shift. And my answer, and this is something that I um that I told this guy at Singularity University, and he's like, I like that idea. Come 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 visit. Um, but but it, I but I'm totally I totally pulled this out of my butt is. You know, coming up with a you know an artificial or a secondary economy inside VR. Yeah. Where you know we're all out of jobs, so what are we gonna do? Let's let's do this peer-to-peer economy thing in VR, where you know the
3: AI has taken care of all our needs. Um, so all our wants, we are taking care of in VR. New economies will be born out of new needs, right? Yeah. And that'll always happen. But what's interesting to me is that the whole world won't see this shift, this change at the same time. Yeah, um, that's true. We will. There's there are driverless cars right now in Palo Alto, but um, I don't know when you'll see it in uh, in poor urban areas of Louisiana or you know in Detroit or Morocco or I think it'll happen surprisingly
4: quickly through Uber and Lyft and GM and Toyota. And they're going to have these huge fleets of cars, and they're going to price people out of owning cars. You know, it, it's going to be ludicrous that you're able to afford to buy a car to have it sit 95% of the time unused. They sure. can be way more efficient than yeah. someone who owns one. I, so they could just make it be so cheap to not own a car that you have to use their system.
3: I totally agree in, uh, with a narrow view of the world's population. Like, it's, it's not going to be everybody's life. So um, hey,
0: how do you guys feel about uh, quadcopter taxis? <laughs> I want one. I really want one. I really want well, stand-up. Except you don't get one. to have one because it's a taxi. That's true. That's true. I want. And it's self-driving, <laughs> and that's the way it should be. I want to be in one. That's what I want. <laughs> oh, there yeah. you know. oh, go. <laughs> I want to. Yeah. I want to experience
2: that. As, um, better than smelling fart train. Uh, fart <laughs> <on> <laughs> yeah. trains. Uh, did for sure.
0: Did you see the uh, eHang one eighty four uh, at CES right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, that was pretty cool. It is cool. I, I really want to go up and, and try it. So Guangzhou is, you know, about an hour north of Shenzhen. Please and, try it. Yeah, no, I will yeah. um, I mean, when they'll let me in there. They like me. I, I was in their uh, Indiegogo video uh, nice. or whatever crowdfunding platform they ended up on. I stuck a lidar on the bottom of one of their uh, consumer drones, the nice. Ghost drones. That's and, awesome. Uh, and then they asked me to leave it with them, and and then I don't know if they had actually did anything with it. It was a shame. I, w- I was having fun with that. Um, um, anyway, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go up and check it out, and I'll send you some uh, footage.
2: Is that is that another new method of transportation for
0: humanity in the twenty first century, or? Well, of course, and and the I mean the cool thing about it is that the CEO of the company my understanding is that he basically designed and and directed implementation of uh the entire emergency response system for the Beijing olympics and um you know including things like helicopter atc or, or, or its integration with the broader system so he has a really solid you know infrastructure systems design background and um so the things that how, how much have they publicly said about how system based on this would work? Actually, you know what? If, if there hasn't been that much, I'm gonna shut up. Okay, um, but it's uh, it's really all I saw was the
4: CES coverage. Yeah,
0: surrounding
2: it, so. I'm excited for that. Just I would imagine China is gonna be you know was gonna dive headfirst into something like this. Or I mean, I, I I don't know if the US would be as receptive. It seems like you're gonna meet a lot of regulation and red tape before that would take and off. And
4: Chinese cities have the ability to move more quickly on regulations surrounding this kind of stuff? Of course, it's authoritarian. <laughs> um,
0: um, and, and they can redevelop areas and, and change infrastructure deployment very rapidly. Uh, you know, the government can more or less exert eminent domain at will and say, we're converting this area into this kind of area, and you guys are moving in. Well, I mean, it's but it's efficient, and um, so when they want to get something done, it, it, uh, it generally gets done pretty quickly. Um, I mean... They're opening up another five subway lines in Shenzhen uh, this year. Not not stations, lines. With all the
2: how stations. many workers are them? That must be
0: like hundred so, thousand. That's workers. never been their problem. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> actually, my first time in a uh, in a factory, uh, being toured around a factory in China, it was. Uh, saying? Well, you know, our real strength is uh, human resources. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, I mean, how old nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and I was just like, oh man, I, I don't know if I'd want to do business with you. Uh, yeah. it, we, you know, when yeah. I finally do bring my my dinky little product to, no, it's pretty cool. When I bring my product to, to production, I think I'll at least spend a, a day or two working on the line. Uh, oh, with that's them. Cool. And, and that's cool. Yeah, it's. And, and being part of the process and actually being there to oversee how they're treated. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. And, I mean, I've been in factories where the where people seem perfectly happy, but, you know, it, it, well, it was uncharacteristically cold right then. I was like, why aren't there space heaters here? But, you know, honestly, there aren't space heaters really anywhere there because that kind of cold is new to the place because, hey, weather patterns are shifting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh Anyway, never mind. Tant it. Uh, no, but it's a very fascinating subject. I mean, and
2: and, and is AI gonna? Is it, it what is the promise of AI at this point? Is the promise of AI that that won't exist anymore, where people? Well, I mean, that's be, right, that's
4: the promise of robotics. But what right. happens to those people? In general, job automation, just in general.
3: Um, there. I think there's there's a tipping point for anybody who's um. You know, making the decisions about the business, whether it's government or a business owner in a, in, in capitalism, that's that that balances. Uh, what is cheaper for me? So um, over there, human resources will remain cheap for a very long time. So it's going to be interesting, though, to see what... So they're about to lay off 5
0: million uh, workers from state-owned enterprises. Mm-hmm. And what they choose to retrain those people into or what options they give them. Uh, I mean, this will be telling about the, the future uh, of... Um, you know, the future roles uh, for people over there. Uh, When when their labor based jobs Mm -hmm. have gone away, and and they haven't
2: announced what those jobs are going to be, what they're going to retrain them for, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, be interesting. But that is a
4: very good point you bring up. What if um, at some point the automation and and algorithms for control get get so good that we only need say twenty or thirty percent of the population. Twenty or thirty percent of the population is only—they're the only people who are capable of doing useful work anymore. Yeah,
3: that's interesting. I don't—I don't—I like don't, I don't, I don't think anybody's the thought really
0: experiments that we could run on that um, get pretty unpalatable pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't um, seem like
4: there's a nice transition into that from here. Like, uh,
0: not without nasty things like eugenics and, and, you know, uh, reproduction rights, um, you know, and- Add to that. And China is now allowing two children. Okay. Um, You know, one child policy has been retired, so they're gonna be expanding their population faster. We
4: could be, you know, 25 to 50 years away from that, right? What? From most of the population not being able to do any kind of useful work, being priced out.
0: Well, except should, quote, useful work be the purpose of human existence. We've been exploiting each other in, in numbers for a really long time. Maybe yeah. being a human is about something
4: other than work. It should um, be. It should be. But like what's the like I, I just don't see what like people will still need resources to live unless the political system changes. <laughs> God forbid it doesn't. But um So like what's but how is that gonna happen in a, in a timely enough manner to support that kind of
0: to speculate
3: on that would get me into a lot of trouble maybe so, <laughs> add, add to that that um in another generation we we might be the last generation that lives to what we consider old age now that's going to change pretty quickly we live along right that. after us yeah right. I, I think um life life expectancies for those who can afford it are um are, are going to change dramatically or we'll just become interdimensional because we'll be
4: able to put our consciousness to uh, so, so what if this Sorry. is kind of a weird okay. So, so that the, okay. The, the, <laughs> consistently the oldest generation. So you were just there where, you know, some proportion of your generation, some like reasonable proportion of it survived into the time where, you know, we can keep people healthy indefinitely and then you're perpetually the oldest ones around from then on. That would be weird. That
0: would be weird, dude. <laughs> that would be weird, man. Oh, get out of here, grandpa! No, what <laughs> <one> on. <laughs> <laughs> some more things shit. But wait, <laughs> have um, uh, shoot, I was. Oh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, Cory Doctorow uh, includes in Utopia and in, in his. I don't know. I'm assuming it's a novel. Um, okay. Uh, I think it is. Um, where I don't know. I I don't know. He's basically said he's going to describe his utopia. You know. Utopian world
2: uh, should be interesting. Oh, all right, let's let, let me hear your utopian world. What is what is the what is what is your vision of utopia? If there was a, a, a utopia, and I'll, I'll start with mine, just so that I, I can set the bar at crazy. Sure. Um, <laughs> I think um, I think my vision of utopia would be a world where machines and automation and AI allow humans to be the thing they're meant to be, which is creators and explorers, mm. and um, and partiers. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, um, there will be a subset of people who will create for the rest of their lives, and then, and and, and their needs and wants will be taken care of by AI, and our, the political
0: systems will just wither away,
2: um, in, in some way. And then there's going to be well, but AI. then we
0: lose, then we lose progress and self determination. But are we just giving that over to
2: the, to the AIs? I, it seems like it seems like it seems like when it comes when it comes to When it comes to living life in in certain ways, I feel like human beings are really good at picking the easiest option, and I think letting so we let the computers do the science from then on. It seems like it seems like a lot of us would want to go that way. But no, but here's the thing: there would be the thing. Utopia or dystopia? My thing is, my thing is, it would be you would have the freedom to choose. you you have the freedom to choose which way, which route, which route you want to take. You can yep. be a consumer for the rest of your life or you can be a creator or an explorer for the rest of your life, whatever you want to be. Yeah, yeah. And so and so whoever wants to be, you know, in Wally Land, they can be in Wally Land and whoever wants to go interstellar travel with me and James and hopefully you guys and we can go. Um,
3: that's a nice utopia.
2: But hopefully. Oh huh, I don't know. <laughs> what if I wanna just wanna go live by a lake and read? Then that then that you should that's freedom. You should be able to do that too in that world. Um, what are you what's your vision of utopia what do you guys got
0: that's a that's a good question one one vision of it that was interesting
4: in a a book uh, called the metamorphosis of prime intellect so basically they had a pretty simple rule set no person could hurt any other person each person was in total control of their own reality and no 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 one can die essentially Mm. Even, even they cannot commit suicide okay
0: I don't know how I feel about immortality. Actually, I don't like the whole immortality thing, no. um, I, and that's just a gut reaction. But I, I think, but that it's
4: about living exactly as long as you want to. It's, it's not about living forever, right? How could anyone be against living exactly as long as you want to? I'm
3: with you. That's quite a utopia too. Yeah, <laughs> I,
4: mean, I think that's what we're what we're headed for. For, for me, I think it's about uh, cognitive enhancement. Yep. Yeah. In some way that's equal among people, which I think is going to be impossible. Yeah. Uh, but that we continually enhance our cognitive and experiential abilities until we have basically complete control over our own experiences that other people can't interfere with.
3: It actually sounds terrific to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think what I'm learning from this question is it's um, it's hard to draw the line uh, like. It sounds like utopia. It sounds good, but parts of it also sound like dystopia to me. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's There would inevitably be all kinds of fallout that are just bad for, for people. Um, even in what you described. Yeah. Uh, I travel a lot for work, and so I get to see. Uh, through, I try not to have my very American eyes on all the time. You know, I try to uh, immerse myself in whatever society I'm I'm visiting and um, and try to understand it. Try to be one with my surroundings, um, and uh, as, as possible or uh, as impossible as that may be. And um, what I've learned is just that uh, uh, nobody's going to be equal in uh, a race towards tech. So we'll have AI, AI lives on networks, they don't live in a specific place, but who's benefiting from them, who's actually, what, soci- what societal, Changes are happening from them. It might—it's not going to reach everybody. Yeah. So, um, so these are pockets of utopia. Maybe we're talking about because. So paint me your overall vision of utopia. Okay. Here, well, I don't know because I—I I guess I'm pretty grumpy because I've got easy <laughs> visions of dystopia. Yeah, and it's hard yeah. for me to come up with. And they're good utopia. ones too. There are many, but, way
4: more ways of arranging the system so that it sucks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so So you,
0: so, do you want to okay. know my utopia? <laughs> yeah. Imagine. John Lennon's Imagine. But it's <laughs> song. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's more or less it. Yeah. Um, and then a, a government system, you know, to the extent that there's a government, I one that has been, I mean, it obviously needs to be redesigned at, at this point, or at least I happen to think so. The current system's been subverted. Uh, just, uh, I don't know if it's too far gone, but... It, it, Sure, it kind of looks that way, um, uh, but basically redesign uh, the government in an open source way um, uh, to you know, address everyone's needs and, and uh, that has been examined for every possible sort of systematic hack mm-hmm. um, from, from a systems standpoint. I, I mean, that's why open source software works is because everyone can examine the code and, and it's a collaborative
4: development process. And this is why Bitcoin's so interesting, right? Because it's, it's the first actually decentralized economic and political system. Mm-hmm. Um, although it, I don't think it's really functioning as a political system right now. Right. Uh, but it's interesting in that it's, yeah. it, it, it's the first raw, wild experiment it's it because like really sustaining to, uh, itself. Sure.
0: Yeah. Well I, I I mean the other thing is I, I, I think the primary imperative for for human civilization at the moment should be to just to uh, I mean I'm a hippie fundamentally mm-hmm. so you know, reduce suffering and and reduce conflict, build consensus mm-hmm. and and Figure out collectively what our societal goals are, what we actually want for the future. And right now, we're so focused. I think we're part of why we're doing this runaway technology development uh, is because we're, we're, you know, bailing water out of a not necessarily bailing water out of a that, that's strong language out of a sinking ship. But um, I think you're right, though. Yeah. At, at right now, it's all about damage control rather than a coherent mission for for the future of humanity Mm -hmm. and um
4: do you think it's possible to have a coherent like on large scales of people is it possible to have a coherent mission We, we all want very different things uh
0: at the moment and we've all sort of been raised differently and with different priorities and in different cultures uh when it Sort of comes to the matter of the survival of the, the species, and yeah. would hope we
3: can. Yeah, so that that makes of, yeah yeah that makes it tough. It's like um, so if if you don't look at um, at us in four year presidential office chunks, and you look at a bigger scale, um, you look at every fifty years. Zoom out more. Look at every hundred years. Look at every thousand years. Um, there's one major change coming up. That is we're well two actually, which is a critical mass of population um, and the resource story that goes with that, and where we're arriving with technology. So the technologies we've had before affected us uh, in, in, in how we can communicate, but now now it's going to get really different really, really soon. So I think no matter how zoomed in or how zoomed out you looked at the past, you could find patterns before. This is the first time um, something's got to give. You know, it's it's going to change dramatically. And um, that, in the nutshell, is the
4: singularity, right?
3: It's yep. that moment where the speed of
4: advance, you know, is noticeable on human lifetime. Mm. Yeah.
0: But at the moment, the singularity is still just something that we're sort of waiting for to happen. It's going to be this emergent event.
1: Isn't it? Um, I I mean, there are other people who argue that it's already here.
4: Like, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's an interesting quote from the D-Wave uh, CTO. Uh, I think his name Geordie Rose he was saying you know he, he didn't like that you know when what year will it happen that's uh, like yeah. well if it's, it's going to happen it's been happening since language yeah right. you know yeah. It's, it's, I mean the question is when does it go asymptotic yeah. and that's yeah. With respect to a human lifetime, I, I think that's the real key difference is that this thing is now fast enough where we can't retrain
3: people to catch up with new jobs and stuff like that. And, and that, But that's kind of where my thinking is with, with the zoom out of, of our time scale. Um, this is the first time we're bumping into something that uh, might stop our, our time scale according to the formula we've been looking at and living by. The oldest... Uh, s- the one we're, we're evolved in. Yes, right. The one that has trained us as, as, as upright. And we're already w- well past uh, being in the environments we we're evolved for. Yeah, right. You know? I mean, just shipping. Of, uh, my, my mom's generation was one that uh, didn't eat a fruit called a banana where she grew up in Turkey because shipping didn't get to a place where fruit wouldn't rot by then. And now it's like that... You know, the world has changed so fast in a generation or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, have, I have a
4: saying about this that I like to bring up, um, you know, my grandfather was a truck driver. My dad designs self-driving cars <laughs> and I've uh, never had to drive my own car, probably <laughs> <but> never will. <laughs> right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, that's kind of how quickly things are moving. The the oldest civilization that we know about is, um, it's like on the border of Syria and Turkey, it's called uh, Gobekli Tepe, the, the region. Um, and it rewrote the books on what we thought was the age of us uh, collectively creating um, an urban environment where we work together, we we help each other, um, and create a city. So um, we thought it, it was a lot more recent until we saw that, uh, you know, there are these huge multi-ton obelisks with artwork on it, you know, and... and um, and it's it's interesting to me to be able to look back on all that because you keep seeing uh, fingerprints of 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 who we are today, uh, all all around the planet. And if you subscribe to the out of Africa theory, you can you can actually see our footprints everywhere too. Yeah. And, um, and our have, brains
4: haven't changed significantly in at least a hundred thousand years. Right, we've we, been the same people for a while. It's right.
2: crazy how we're like we have one foot on in the in the realm of nature and then we have another foot in the realm of Whatever else we're creating, right? I mean, that's and that's
1: too, right? And yeah, is it really? Yeah, yeah I so, mean, so, so, yes.
4: so if a sentient is yeah, the so. natural progression of evolution, I think. I think so. That's, I, interesting. that's I,
2: I, interesting. This thought. is what happens when you leave hydrogen alone long enough. I've always drawn a line though, <laughs> but <laughs> I've never thought about it that way. But I always drawn a line where, like, we're human, and you know, and nature's behind us, and forward is
3: is something else. But I, I agree. That's we we natural, too, natural too, huh? We created we created a uh elemental spirits then we created God then we created AI <laughs> like there's we, we keep creating our our framework um, and this is another step
0: you yeah, but but what does come next shouldn't exist to, to the exclusion of what already exists and that's the problem is that to get to this thing we're envisioning I mean to say that it's it's a part of nature uh, well it's a very does it, it destroys so much of the rest of it. Um, that's Let or, me, or sure. let me throw something lizard. at you. I actually have a
2: solution to that. I actually think... Well, no,
0: things come into balance. We don't.
2: Yeah, but I have a solution to that because I think, I think the line between us, you know, human beings, and essentially the internet waking up Um, you know there needs to be some sort of bridge and maybe this is just a crazy idea but I think that we're gonna need some sort of uh, like human ambassadors to the AI and it's gonna be humans that are gonna you know figure out a way to wire wire their brains And, and then they're gonna be like this you know you know these people who choose to live a life where they can talk you know, in the language of the AI somehow. I'm and picturing are,
0: it cross between, well, I'm thinking Accelerando, I'm thinking, uh, have you read Accelerando? Strauss,
2: parts, um, really small parts of it. And
0: um, but, also, uh, what is it, Renaissance Part 1 or Renaissance Part 2 from the Animatrix? Maybe, uh, yeah, uh, that yeah,
3: yeah, that's what I was the
2: thinking. Yeah. yeah, they like, like, I don't know, what, it, but it... In, in the world that we're heading headed in I feel like there's these all these different forms of, of achieving super intelligence and it could be whether it be through like a networked hive minds yep. or you know that you your brain has access to directly and so now you're not just three personalities or a, con- or a small Congress inside your head now you're all of humanity inside your head and you're able to talk to this other thing this other being you know if I had to picture a world um, Fifty years from now, it's going to be governed by human beings. It's going to be governed by that middle thing that you know, besides, besides human beings, and, and then and then straight up AI. Yeah, those were the. will be will the, be the three sort of uh, the, the, the best case
4: outcome is that we modify ourselves and retain our consciousness and experience throughout and and, and human identity
3: throughout that process as we get smarter. I, I think that's the reality. Yeah. Um, but we our reliance on a system will grow too, and we as people will get uh, weaker as individuals. At the same time, um, you know, I forget I forget the name of the book now, but there's uh, an AI system that becomes basically the mother of Earth, and that AI system is called Big Noodle. I named my company after that, so I, I can't <laughs> believe I'm blacking on the, the, the book title now. But um, in in that in that book, basically. Uh, Big Noodle figures out, oh, there's a comet coming. We've got to do something about that. And it doesn't have hands and feet. It's not operating through robots. People are still doing things. People still have roles. But um, Big Noodle's looking out for everybody. And uh, resource issues, food issues, um, Big Noodle's got that covered. So people don't need to actually um, worry so much about that stuff. But but they're doing the work to to make sure that the calamity doesn't befall us. Wow. I think it will take an unprecedented
4: amount of cooperation to have a positive outcome in the transition to superintelligence.
2: So it seems like there. It seems like it's much easier to come up with dystopian visions of the future than it is to envision utopian because it seems like you hit, you talk, you come up with a utopian vision, and it might be a potato to me, but it might be a potato to you, and so it's it's it's, it's interesting that way, um, and the lines can be very blurry. Yeah. So let's go to space get the fuck out of here I'm with you yeah how do we you know what's I used to be I'm, I'm not sure I subscribe to that anymore what do you think about space these days or getting out of earth at this point um,
0: I mean I think we should go I think we should we, we should be allocating resources to, to be able to do that but again not to the again not to the exclusion of, of what's already here um, I mean exploration is great and and so much technology and, and knowledge has come out of NASA's endeavors, and and uh, and exactly. now the rest of the world's space programs too. And but it's, um, but it's just so easy. But we have through. to fix what's here.
2: Yeah, it's so easy Perfect. to get overwhelmed with just the amalgamation. Uh, I don't know if that's a word of problems, right? right? It, it just seems like you know what? Maybe we just go restart and just start all over again. In <laughs> yeah, that, that's a so that real appeal, right? Is that it's it, too set maybe Maybe it is. It is like totally
4: been, separate. You, it might be the first opportunity in a long time to have really new, co- completely politically separate
1: places to actually start over with, uh, with Earth
3: and with the, the Neo-Zeon Empire. So you mentioned Jim Jones earlier, right? Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. did. we just come full circle. Yeah. That?
4: I'm sure there will be some space station in some remote part of the solar system one day where <laughs> Kool-Aid <in> space. Yep. <laughs> or wait, they like tanking
3: in just... yeah. <laughs> so they do.
2: They, they do. They actually <laughs> confirmed that. <laughs> yeah. Shit, yeah, it, it it can all go haywire in a matter of So Martian
4: colony is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because of the people who go there, I think, and the and the technology, the, yeah. The right, problems the, they
0: have to solve. What was it the Martians? Uh, oh, I guess it was the Lunarians mm-hmm. whose AI throws rocks at uh, yeah. at Earth. Yeah, good old Mike. Is that good old Mike? Yeah, Moon is a harsh
3: mistress. Gotta watch out yeah, for Luna, yeah. Yeah. yeah, all right. No such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but I'm okay with the big noodle model, which is um, which which I think there could be a reality in that where governments and it it might not look like big noodle where we're walking up to you know a big computer and the answer is 42. Like (laughs) the the uh, governments are already relying uh, they're relying on each other for the most part because it's the old guard. But when um when newer generations the vanguard are Uh, the governments. I'm not saying the governments will be any better, but the reliance on on AI will just be a part of life, and maybe that's where we can have hope. Maybe the AI is actually um, helping the governments make better decisions. We need beneficent
0: AI, and that needs to be
3: by design. I think Kurzweil
0: has sort of an unfounded faith that, that, you know, love is an emergent property. I think he said as much. That 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 emergent I mean, intelligence will necessarily be loving, and beneficent, and uh, yeah,
4: I think that's I think almost that, certainly the the low probability portion <laughs> <laughs> the number of possible intelligences that could come up, right? Well, I mean, it, sort of,
0: it needs to be by design, and yeah, and, you know. for sure. But you know, if this if this thing is existing in. Uh, in oh, doesn't emerge organically but instead is existing starting with uh, essentially a reproduction yeah. of the human brain, a mm-hmm. simulated one to one reproduction of the human brain. You know, then we can actually apply our knowledge of, of how things work structurally with our brains to, to so, maybe keep it in check I and mean, yeah, perform
4: on virtual brain surgery. Yeah. Have you read uh, uh, yeah. Nick Bostrom's book? I haven't. Superintelligences. So he, he, he goes into. All of these possible scenarios of ways superintelligences could come about. Well, and then we should go, all go
0: read this book and then come back and have this discussion. You no, know, for sure, you definitely, you definitely should.
4: Yeah. Um, it was the book that kind of converted me from, I, I guess you could say, a Kurzweilian optimist, yeah. <laughs> into a real pessimist about this stuff. Like, it—it's it, very convincing that. That, that by default, without paying a lot of attention, this is very, very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And since we have no idea what the time scales are, we may already be at a point where we can't organize fast enough to solve the problem. So we have to hope that we're not at that point and start organizing as quickly as possible. Probably
0: behind Musk. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Probably. <laughs> what, if, what if we are already past the point of no return? I mean, if you look at... And, and maybe this is a bad analogy but if you saw so let's have a party yeah and that's why we party. party that's why we're partying <laughs> this that that's the goal this isn't that the goal of humanity to party until the end of the universe so we you know past yeah, the extension is why we're gonna our have this of the sun the, the universe, universe. Yeah.
4: yeah yeah we should we every should. year it's it's rough, roughly on time <laughs> every year you know yep. yeah depending on your, your yeah. time scale you're looking yeah. for. Um,
2: but <laughs> what if what if what if kind of like what, you know, it's something that happened with the Go um, recently was where the where was where the algorithm in the beginning of the first game um, you know the, the announcers or the people didn't really know what it was doing. You know, they thought that uh, the champion was Did
0: they deploy the system untrained and let it learn how to
4: play? it? No, I think it already had like training so i can give a loose loose overview of how how it works yeah um basically there there's two networks involved Mm -hmm. neural nets deep nets um one is a policy network which identifies possibly good moves and then the other one uh, is basically a tree search through the good move space so the the point of the policy network is basically to trim down Mm the search space by huge amounts yeah they trained it primarily on games against. Um, uh, uh, first, they, they bootstrapped it from games against humans against humans, and then they had it play itself. Yeah. Um, and so during a lot of these games, so so one of the great things was there are pros, Japanese and Korean GoPros, commentating while all these games are going on. Mm-hmm. And GoPros. in the beginning, yeah, GoPros. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the beginning, they say, oh, AlphaGo's making this mistake here at this move here. And then way later into the game, it became apparent that that Holy was a say, really smart move.
0: Was it a technique that like no one had ever seen before or something? Like something hard. like
4: that, where it appeared to be bad play according to kind of the standard of pro play. Yeah. Um, and then way later on, they're like, "Holy shit, this computer's actually just smarter than us." So <laughs> let me take the parallel into real life, right? Because if this is if this AI thing wakes up, maybe it doesn't want well, I mean, to still know a that it up. Yeah, yeah, so yeah so for sure. Right, so we'll right. use, yeah. Designed for this, except that it's not a purpose—it's it's not a, a purpose-built system in the same way that Deep Blue was. Yeah. These general techniques can be used on a wide variety of extremely important problems. Yes. Yeah. So, Go is just a, a very clear example of it being better than a human because it's in the structure of competition. Yes. Yeah. How will we ever know if AI woke up and it just doesn't want us to know that it's
2: awake? That's what I'm saying, basically. Like, like, how do I know that, you know, it's already awake? Doesn't want us to know it's awake, and it's kind of like go where it's like. I mean, you're
4: anthropomorphizing it. So yeah, why? I know. I, I think I it's beside why. the point. Is it really? But but it Who cares if it's is, awake or not. We care about if it's capable of harming us. You know, it, it doesn't matter if it's aware or awake. Or cares about us or knows about like all, all that matters is is this thing capable of harming us? Are, is it under our control or not? But then you got to think past that. What are you?
2: What are your? What is your purpose? What is your goal? It does well, it, it I mean, yeah. it should be an,
4: our tool, right? Yeah. It should be a tool that we use to achieve our goals. Right.
2: But if it gets out of our hands, if it becomes super intelligent, then why? Why should it listen to us?
0: What factions did you guys align with in Fallout Four? <laughs>
2: uh, I didn't play that game much. I actually don't know. I haven't played them. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Is there a techno anarchist one? What factions are there so I can pick
0: right now? Actually. <laughs> Let's see. Um, well, spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, well, yeah. There's there's uh, there's the Institute, which is basically basically the remnants of a fictionalized MIT. They've developed uh, sentient. Uh, androids basically uh, the latest generation of which is externally indistinguishable from humans they're called synths there's something um, so really what you need to decide between is aligning with the institute which wants to regulate the synths and keep them subservient until they've sort of figured out what they're doing with them Humanity first, and then you have the the railroad, which is you know an underground railroad that that's helping synths to escape and go out and live their lives. Some of them unaware of the fact that they're robots. Um, and um, I went with the institute. I um, and you know they ended up being somewhat ruthless and and generally the the uh, I mean the the developers sort of. Uh, maybe it's not that they intend for you to, but it does kind of berate you for for this move because the the warm hearted thing to do is align with you know with the railroad and free the sense, you know. Freedom for all or things with a desire for self determination. Yeah. Um and and they're if they're expressing that desire for self determination, then they're entitled to
4: it. And if you believe it's a thing worthy of ethical treatment, then you have to be on the side of rescuing them and preventing unethical treatment against them. And if you believe it's a technology which become imminently dangerous, then you have to be on the side of controlling it and regulating it at all costs. This takes us
3: eerily back in time <laughs> to slavery and people as tools mm-hmm. and whether they deserve rights or not. Um,
4: Are we allowed to talk about what Osh is working on? Yeah, I mean, I... At the level we understand it, yes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Because <laughs> you
2: brought up an interesting point about like, are, is that thing alive? Are those neurons alive? You know, and it, it, maybe you can explain to them how what it is that he's doing. So those, yeah, so they,
4: there's someone working basically on using uh, on culturing neurons to mm-hmm. use as computation, nice. um, as, as general computation. Mm-hmm. You know, so, a lot of computation. Logic, yeah, yeah. Um, downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> And so it so brings up the question, you know, you, you could culture a group of neurons and, and, and have no reason to expect to experience pain and have no reason to expect, you know, it, it experiences emotions or has, an, has intelligence in the way we think of it or whatever. But the, the question is, does it have any experience? And if so, what nature is that experience? And that, could, of course, can be extended to computers and the internet as a whole, maybe all of society. You know, does, do those things have experience? And if so, what's the nature of that experience? And do we actually care given our treatment of animals? Well, you know, I, I think we should probably. Like, we Why? should because care about the treatment of animals. Okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, I, I, think, I think we know next to nothing about experience and yeah. consciousness, except right. that at least with animals we know the most especially mammals, we we can sort of imagine what it might be like to be a dog or to be a cat. We'll be wrong, of course, but there's going to be some overlap and we have biological reasons for expecting there to be some overlap because our brains are relatively similar. Um, At least certain classes of experiences, we should expect to be pretty similar. And so it seems like, you know, we'd want to minimize suffering in animals, even if we're okay with killing them and eating them, we'd still want to minimize suffering at least. Well, I mean, there's there's also
0: the stop, you know, you know the grown meat option, cultured meat.
4: They're also doing that downstairs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, uh, Which is awesome. Drink, cause I'm, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> 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 I, I'm really into meatballs, meat balls, shark fin, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. are they, they they're doing meatballs, uh, shark fin meatballs? <laughs> no, well, they should, but there's there's one team that was doing shark fin and one team that's it's just silent green now. Well. That's a,
0: yeah. Um, but sorry, you were saying no. no, no, just the the idea of of meat that can be grown without the involvement of a you know non-autonomy. Yeah, I mean that seems like a moral imperative to yeah. pursue that
3: it as is. quickly as possible. It seems inevitable too.
2: Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. I'm all for it. Raise
2: your hand if you it. That's got to be
3: reframed, porn, you know. <laughs> well, I'm not <laughs> willing. I'm not willing to give up burgers. <laughs> okay. So.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you better start growing some beans. I think that's the story of the
2: 21st century. We got to figure out a way to have our cake and eat it. You know, we got to figure out a way to you know enjoy life to the
4: fullest with all the commodities have access to and as have much energy access. as we want, but not destroy the planet. Yep. Eat yeah. meat without a bunch of suffering. Yep. Have riches without making other people suffer.
0: Yep. That's, that's Have space for for old school nature, forests, mountains. Yes, yeah. to uh, at uh, least get in there yeah. and 3D scan it. We can. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh man, right? James. Uh, yeah, at, at least. least. Totally. Yeah. And, okay, at least. <laughs> let's take it. <laughs> well, let's go further. Let's go further,
2: James. Um, will we ever find out whether we're in a simulation or not? And I mean, I think that question matters. I think that question matters. Some, I
0: think um, some wait. Uh, huh. So, like, do we find out if what do you mean
4: by? Saying? I don't know. I mean,
2: it's just whether. Well, so we'll,
4: I have a short scenario. Have you heard of the simulation? Uh, the simulation hypothesis. Yes. Uh, uh formally, I don't know. Can you I explain? So it? essentially, the idea goes that if you think it's possible for our society to create a machine that can simulate a universe that's capable of hosting life that's aware. Mm-hmm. Um, then we almost certainly live in a simulation, and the or or, or
0: very possibly implausibly why almost, almost certainly like, okay almost certainly okay spell this like, out like for like me
4: extremely high probability, and the reason is for every real universe, even if there are an infinite number of real universes, um, if each one has even just one civilization that can do this they're probably going to run more than one simulation. Mm -hmm. And each one of those simulations, they may run more simulations. Probably there's lots of civilizations capable of hosting simulations in each one. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even matter if each simulation is as complex as the parent universe. It doesn't require that, right? It only requires that each simulation has enough complexity to host life that's aware of itself. I hate that the math bears that out. So the number of simulations should vastly outnumber the number of real universes. Even in a case where we have infinitely large, infinitely many real universes,
1: <laughs>
4: it's a larger infinite number. So simulated. Very it well articulated. articulated. Yeah, but cool. That <laughs> is really, yeah, yeah.
2: It's, it, made, it blew my brain away. That was crazy. And so we'll
4: never, we'll never find out, so, basically. Yeah, but it seems logically like if you think we can do it, which well, well, unless you can you hack probably. the
0: fabric of the simulation, right? Which is right. Yeah, yeah. but even then, is,
4: maybe you go up one level. And then still almost uh, exactly. certainly you're in a simulation. And you can go up one level, and still almost certainly you're in a simulation. Right? We yep. we don't know how much complexity room there is. You know, maybe even there is a finite yeah, well, going up, number we'll of simulations
0: might but resolve the question at
4: least. Yes, and then it might and then but, but never, no. never, it never could. We
0: yeah. could never know for sure if it we're d- in It one or would or just not. create more questions.
2: Well, isn't that isn't that what we're all about? We're, yeah, we're about finding, is solving, answer, solving questions that lead to more questions that lead to more questions that lead to more questions absolutely um, so we should we should find out james we got to find out i mean i don't know i don't know
4: how but yeah let's
0: get it on seems that <laughs> <it>.
1: <laughs> Man.
0: that's above my pay grade yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
4: well we'll just hope some huge breakthrough comes out from someone they're like guys guys look at this shit we're in a fucking simulation. <laughs> Holy shit, look at this shit. <laughs> and was like, oh my god. Yeah, and,
3: quantum, and quantum science doesn't call it, they don't use the, that terminology of simulation, but they say there's an infinite number of... Or like a multiverse. A multi, or, yeah, okay. so so one of you, the interpretations. Wait, yeah. Would you
0: agree that of, of the people at this table at the moment, I'm pro- I would probably be the most likely to think that this were a simulation, <laughs> given the weirdness of my life lately. Yes, absolutely. Um, and um, <laughs> but I'm 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 going to uh, go ahead and, and be on the side of the the. And, but even if you like, were, I don't like the idea that we're living in the matrix and or just to a, a matrix just to say, a. By, by
4: simulation, I don't mean designed for us. Yeah, or just having a any kind of knowledge of us a con- yeah, as a construct. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But how do you know it, it, it isn't designed for you? Just because. You know, having had this argument with lots of people who are religious before, <laughs> there's very little evidence that this universe cares about us and that we have a special place in this universe. Right, you know,
3: right In right. general, that <laughs> argument still holds fine. We're, we're <laughs> occupying space, and not and not for very long in the grand scheme of things. Um, <laughs> for now, yeah,
4: yeah. Until, until yeah. we meld with whatever but you know, time, time, even if place. we live um, until the heat death of this universe, it may be a tiny piece of a tiny timeline. Right area. <laughs> Rick and Morty, goddammit. <laughs> <For>, the spice <laughs> <laughs> The spice must fall what are you talking about? Um, uh, someone someone, give me some
0: dialogue that Rick would say. Let's not get into this again, Morty. <laughs> that was good. You're that was good.
4: Yeah, that is, was good. You've,
2: you've, practiced.
4: you've <laughs> yeah, practiced. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Please continue. Rick is my idol, so. Oh, dear God. <laughs> I up like Rick, that's a success. <laughs> Holy shit. I, I don't know. Best though, case the, scenario.
0: Um, the, double the relationship <laughs> with the hive mind thing, I dig. But, um,
4: <laughs> would you clone yourself, James? <laughs> it's funny, I was just actually having this conversation with my girlfriend. Uh, she's like... She said yeah, yes. You get a little clone of yourself. I'm like, hmm. Well, do you get to tweak it kataka style? <laughs> oh. I would if so I ideally, could it yeah, yeah. A, yeah, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you don't want to make fixes. I mean, that's the appeal of it, right? Is to, like... Be better. Yeah, teach them to do better than you did, knowing what you know about yourself. Oh, and also and give them... them uh, I, I'm,
0: in my case, I would... Well, I mean... I would correct certain things. Uh, uh, yeah, um, uh, what the hell? Uh, well, color blindness, for instance. I would certainly want to remove that from. Uh, I wouldn't want to pass that on to anyone. Yeah. Uh, a uh, hereditary knee thing, like degenerative joint thing. When I was a little kid, wouldn't want to pass that on. Have you heard of so, inchroma No. Are they? What are they reslicing?
4: Uh, no, it's a pair of glasses. Oh. Oh. oh, oh yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Have you tried it out? Mm. Have you tried it out? I haven't. I'd be interested to know a first-person perception of that yeah. uh, for someone trying it out. Yeah. If, if you have the right kind of colorblindness that it might help with a
0: very extreme red green. Dan Kaminsky once told me that he thought I was the most colorblind person he'd ever tested. Wow! And you know, Dan Cam, he he, uh, it was one of his pet projects. Maybe still is. It was really funny. It was actually at this conference. It was a 28C3, and uh, I was like. Dan. By the way, I've been using DanCam. It's really awesome. He's like, oh, hold on, that hits the corners in, uh, you know, where there are no buttons in some sequence that, that only he knew. It dropped into this calibration mode that no one knows is there. He's like, you know, okay, where do you see the line on this scale? Where do you see the line on this scale? And uh, you know, has a bunch of, of dials to. So he had a built-in uh, uh, set of tests for calibrating it to an individual. Um, and afterwards, he was just like, "Holy shit! I don't think you have green receptors. You may be the most profoundly colorblind person I've ever tested, and I think I have the largest collection of genetic samples of colorblind people, and I've tested a lot of them." And
2: I was just whoa! Like, oh snap! Whoa. That kind of sucks, dude. Whoa! Um, what, what does that mean? Are there at all advantages to being to having your perception of reality
0: in the way that you do with vision, or is it, or, never, the, or is it all? There are advantages. To, well, I mean, I feel like probably my uh, perception of things is based more on shape and and, uh, and features, visual features, rather than color. If, if, you know, someone tells you to look for a red can on a table, for instance, mm-hmm. um, the first thing that you're going to look for is a red object, mm-hmm. not for a can, whereas I'm strictly
4: looking for the shape. It's, it's the, People whose vision are impaired learn very well to compensate by focusing on other visual cues. Um, and that's true in, in lazy It's true in colorblindness. Um, and so you know, I have this kind of per- personal pet theories that certain kinds of visual impairment l- lend people towards certain kinds of jobs. Um, kind of anecdotally, I've met lots of people with lazy eye who are designers and yeah. uh, 3D modelers yeah. who work with 3D stuff on flat screens. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, they can't be athletes or professional drivers. Or, you know, so there's some things they're excluded from, yeah. which would make sense that they'd show up everywhere else in, in slightly sure, higher sure. numbers. But I see them more often as artists than I think that explains. Mm-hmm. Um, and 3D modelers and, and, and those kinds of jobs, design jobs. It's fascinating. Um, and the military um, looks for people who are colorblind for some some of the uh, some some of their jobs because right. they have higher contrast sensitivity yeah, in yeah. certain situations. Um, so I, that, my, yeah. I'm sure that was true once upon a time, but there must
0: be, you know, at, at this point, if it's about well, uh, yeah, intelligence I think, yeah. analysis, I'm sure that's all done in machine design. Technology. technology is. Yeah, like, and it's not technology. pilots anymore,
4: it's drone pilots, and then right. you know you can modify the image to enhance contrast and that kind of stuff.
2: But. We're going to start bringing things down to a close, but I want to finish or start leading down with a story that you shared with me last night. Because mm-hmm. you're actually a VR pioneer. I wouldn't say that. uh, I would. I would call you one because I mean, for you to be one of the first fifty people to back the Oculus Rift kicks harder. I think that's. I think that's big, man. I think you took a huge leap of faith on something. You didn't even try.
0: (laughs) Never, never mind. You know, building a fucking data glove. Yeah, that's. I mean, tell me more. I didn't know about that. Now now
3: that now you told me that, like. Yeah, well, you just said it's pretty funny because the way I met him, and it's just
0: like people who are like. Oh, alright. You're really famous because you took that picture of Sergey Brin wearing glass on the subway. Oh, never mind that I was already in the AR space and wearables and, and you know it, you know developing wearable input devices already. <laughs> the, <laughs> the magic of the marketing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd like to tell you about how i met Noah yeah. as as one way to, to start the answer for that. So um so I I don't remember what the meetup was for, but uh oh, I, but I welcome we
0: first meet at Maker Faire?
3: No, you were demonstrating your data glove, and um, so he's already got the floor. He's uh, he's hooked up. He's wired up, and I'm not sure what I'm looking at. This is way before Oculus Rift it was pre connected. Was an idea. This is, is pre connected. Two
2: thousand. like
0: seven years
3: <sighs> ago More? So, uh, no, no, it was um, more. Uh, I didn't have my interactive. Company
0: I first put. Po- I first posted videos of the glove stuff. Maybe seven seven years ago okay that's what it says on am
3: okay some, yeah. so, so he, he um i mean you guys already know he's an articulate bastard and um and he was talking about the the way his glove worked um why he made it work a certain way and he was demonstrating it the whole time he's talking he was moving his fingers around and it was doing and, graphing, so, moving, around, and moving things around on screen and um, it wasn't since the 90s that I'd seen any attempts towards this, and back then I didn't see um, anything uh, really do it that well. So my mind was blown because his, his glove worked, and it worked damn good. <laughs> um, and uh, there was an audience, and I, I, I took one glance at the audience, because I don't, I don't even know the level of expertise, uh, technical knowledge uh, of the audience members, but everybody was locked in. They, they, so any, any level of person in, in the audience, technical expertise, it, it, it didn't matter, I think, because it was just one of those moments where, like, holy shit, something really amazing is happening in front of me. It means something, and I don't know what. But and um, I kind of slept on it. But, but it, this is but next level it. stuff. And he, he did it a long time ago. And uh, I was impressed then. And uh, I have a lot of love for that story, because it, it helped rewire me a little bit. When I saw his demonstration.
2: What what, what, what impact did it have on you? What did you do after? So my
3: specialty is in physical computing, and I uh, do interactive experience design. And I use a lot of sensors. I use, you know, real hardware uh, to go along with the software. Um, And there was just this flood of ideas that was happening so fast that I couldn't almost sort through it. It's one of those wonderful train wrecks of creativity that I would spend the next months pulling from and saying and saying to myself that 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 reminds me of Noah you know, wow. you know and, what's funny is something else rewired
0: me to do that and that was um, and so that was Zach Smith mm-hmm. that was when Bree introduced me to, to Hogan okay and uh, and he, he invited me to come check out the open night at NYCR and uh, NYC, I, I had just done NYCR a, is
3: New York City Resistor. It's a in okay. Brooklyn, New York. Um, and uh, I I had
0: just done my first Arduino project. A friend had basically come over, an uh, industrial design student. So my girlfriend at the time was an architecture student at Pratt uh, in Brooklyn, and um, she, by the way, is also she's doing really interesting uh, work right now. But um, the uh, Let's say, <laughs> derailed by that. Um, anyway, he came over. He wanted to build an, an accelerometer activated bicycle brake light. Sorry, my neighbor. Um, so she was going to Pratt. I was living next to Pratt to uh, be close to her. So my neighbor was an industrial design major. Comes over. Hey, Noah, you know about computers. Um, uh, I was a network admin or some shit. And, uh, and anyway, accelerometer activated bicycle brake light. Had an Arduino stamp and some LEDs and had no clue what to do with them. Oh, an accelerometer. Uh, and it had been you know years and years and years since I'd cut anything. But sorry, and what that way too much and what that and
3: what that means in layman terms would be that when the I'm guessing when the bicycle stops, the, the accelerometer is uh, no just when you start slowing down and without having to wire up to uh,
0: the wheels or anything. Got it. And there's other you have to do a lot of you know, take a lot of anti-noise measures there. But it, in terms of like just demonstrating the, the principal for his thesis project, it was fine. We got it done in like half an hour. I was like, oh, holy shit, this stuff's kind of easy. And then, um, uh, and then ran into Brie Pettis. Uh, who, it happened to be Alicia Gibbs' birthday party. She was friends with the, one of the librarians in Pratt who might have gone to high school upstate. Uh, in, in upstate New York. She, she had invited me to this party basically just to round out the crowd, um, so some of uh, her high school friends, just to make it a bigger party. But it was Alicia Gibbs' birthday party. She went on to uh, found the Open Hardware Foundation and, and to organize the Open Hardware Summits uh, and is now married to Nathan Seidel, uh, who's the founder of Spark Phone. Um But anyway, I run into Bree in the kitchen, recognize him from... Uh, i think the make webcasts or, or or something the weekend projects and i'm like oh i'm pretty good you're pretty cool and uh he's like oh if we met and i'm like no but i just did my first arduino project it was kind of fun um and uh, uh he's like cool so what are you really into and i'm like well i just saw this shit about rep rap you know these self-replicating rapid prototypers this is kind of he's like well you got i got someone you got me takes me into the next room and introduced me to Hoken and he's like, yeah, I'm running this thing, RepRap Research Foundation, and mm, you know, MakerBot can uh, out of all of that. HyperRap. Um, HyperRap, hmm? yeah. Right nice, right. What, what
3: kind? The Prusa, right? Nice, yeah. yeah. Prusa Pr- 3D. Yeah, Prusa's also so that's the best. awesome, awesome guy. Yeah, I did a lot of research. Yeah, that's like, the best, the best thing
0: for me to do is get a Prusa 3D and build it myself. Uh-huh. But, so I, I digressed again. Um, basically, uh, Zach said, come by NYCR um, for, for yeah, the open so night. Uh, I went home from that party, found on the curb an old, like, toy truck, um, and was like, fuck, I need a DC motor to play with, pulled it out, got some transistors, had no idea how to build a motor controller, but sort of worked out how to make a bi-directional, you know, variable voltage controller, um, basically an H-range, but uh, just connected for or or made out of discrete transistors. So I bring it in, and I'm like, Hey, look, Zach. I made a you know motor controller. He's like, you made an H bridge. I'm like, great. I invented the H bridge. <laughs> well, I guess it's that. Um, anyway, I was like, hey, dude. So I was looking at SparkFun, and I think I can build a motion capture system out of this stuff. And He's like, great. I'm like, can you help me? And he's like, no, but you should do it anyway. So uh, <laughs> I went and I ordered a bunch of parts, and then I ran into him at Hope uh, a few months later, and had gotten the first basic. Uh, demo working, but I was using the Wii Nunchuck mm-hmm. uh, and then an IMU and a flex sensor on the elbow. Basically, it was actually really low profile hmm. and gave you essentially shoulder to fingertip. Well, uh, with the glove, eventually, it was shoulder to fingertip, but uh, you know, a full limb capture. And there was no home motion capture at this point. I showed yeah. it to him. I was like, Hey, so I did it. And he's like, Oh, well, holy crap, you did um, and uh and then I just started hacking on stuff. Uh, that uh, the globe that I built then ended up getting me a gig in a NASA-funded neurophysiology research lab at Mount Sinai School of Medicine, doing uh, uh, basically uh, well, building data loggers and shit like that. Uh, uh, we we got to work on some cool stuff. Built a few simulators. Um, uh, anyway, how the fuck did I go? <laughs> we well,
2: somehow? You took me there, but uh, I like that. I like it. Um, Let's talk about the oculus rift what what happened um with the rift
1: um oh i
0: don't
2: want to bitch
0: oh sure okay. you don't want to bring it up okay so i was traveling and <laughs> i, I like your, <laughs> your honesty i don't want to <laughs> well i i mean and i even tried to leverage something uh about it Never. anyway i was traveling i wasn't keeping up with my personal email uh and uh, I don't really check my personal Gmail at regular intervals because it's a pain in the ass with the with the firewall in China and everything. And um, so I basically missed the notification from Kickstarter that, um, you know, the survey that I had to respond to to get my first, um, uh, or to get my final version, uh, which if you responded before February 4th or something like that, you, um, you got a... Uh, if you funded, mm-hmm. if you backed the DK1. Mm-hmm. So I did back the DK1. I bought a DK2. Uh, to my knowledge, I was the first person to put a Leap Motion on the front of a Rift. Um, I had it tilted down by 30 degrees because I was under this stupid impression that people would want to track their hands down here. But that was all wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look on Thingiverse, the, the first uh, Leap to, to Rift mount was mine. You okay, um, might have printed it. Uh, cool. If, if, it, if it went on the DK1 and it was tilted down 30 degrees, that was mine. Um, I did. Nice. Cool. <laughs> That's <sweet>. awesome. <clears throat> um, Small world. And, uh, um, but, uh, so I did get the DK1 and, and the DK2, and, um, uh, and then I missed responding to this survey by a day. And did you the contact way- them again? Uh, I ended up trying to so it was funny uh, about a month before <clears throat> on, a, on a random ass island off the coast of Thailand uh, in Koh Tao um, at 2am in a fucking 7-Eleven I, I, um, I, <clears throat> I was wearing a t-shirt from this uh, music video that, that I had worked on for Robert DeLong and uh, this guy just goes hey man, uh, is that a Robert DeLong t-shirt? I'm like yeah, dude, you, you know him? He's like, personally, actually, I know his makeup artist. And uh, I'm like, yeah, cool, I worked on his video. He's like, uh, yeah, so what are you into, man? And, and I'm like, you know, VR, AR, AR primarily. He's like, oh, that's interesting. I'm the hiring manager for Oculus. <laughs> on a random island, off the coast of Thailand at 2 a.m. in a 7-Eleven because that happened to be I imagine that island's not, not so
4: random. It's tiny. <laughs> it's fucking tiny. But I mean, tiny. like, it's got to attract a certain kind of Either person. Either that, right, or, he's a <laughs> that yes. or he's in simulation. That is a
2: simulation. <laughs> simulation. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the kind
0: of thing that and sitting down across from Sergey Brin on the fucking subway or, or having the first time I presented that glove in public was. Uh, was on the Fat Man and Circuit Girl live show at, um, uh, at, at um, Nauticon, which was Jerry Ellsworth's thing. Jerry Ellsworth then went on to put together the hardware team at Valve and then spin off... Um, cast AR. Uh, cast AR. Um, technical Illusions, yeah. And um, uh, just, just lots of weird fucking shit. <laughs> the, the way it keeps intersecting with... Uh, you know, starting starting with freaking Steve Mann and Dad Starner on a, on a summer camp field trip. Um, Total simulation. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I worry
2: that it's already been five years, and, you know, because I, I, this 100-hour project, in my mind, is going to set a precedent. I think that uh, it's going to set a precedent where I'm going to end up... Either deciding whether I want to be this David Blaine type of guy for VR or not, you know, and so at some point maybe I'm gonna be five years into the future and I'm gonna be like, all right,
4: why, you know, we'll be in a bubble on Times in, in Times Square, <laughs> underwater with a headset on. Yeah.
2: yeah, this could be. I could. I you and I could be in a simulation right now. We could yeah. be. Yeah, I don't know. I,
3: I think your hundred hour I think it's
1: uh,
3: experiment <laughs> is actually very important, yeah. and um, I'm, I'm glad you have from my impression is that you have a kind of a casual uh view of what you're about to do but it's it'll get re- referred to um think, over time i think it's uh, i
2: think it's uh, i think it's necessary yeah. i think i think i think these companies that are building these headsets want to know um what would just as a form of an experiment to see just someone do it
0: enjoy your captivity i i just i just got out of 5 days in jet and Jail, including the time in the whole Chinese jail. A, uh, yes, yes, in China. And,
4: uh, no, no, vibes in, in jail. <laughs> no vibes in jail? No, no vibes in jail. Not yet. Might have been easier with <laughs> with the vibe and Tilt Fresh
1: and uh, VR desktop. And yeah, but you know what?
4: You
0: get The difference being you get to shape your own prison. You get to yeah, you get to yeah. build it out. You're going to be maybe that's, maybe that's access good. to an element no, we can leave off
4: prism. on, is we'll all get the chance to shape our own prison. Yeah. Yes. And with that, uh, <laughs> the, oh man, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful.
2: And with that, let's just uh, how to how to uh, how to keep in touch and how to follow up. No, let's start with you. How do how do people keep in touch and follow up with what you're doing these days?
0: Do you guys have WeChat? Yep. Nioeshima. No, I. Uh, um, Twitter, I guess, N O A Z A R K, uh, Noah's Ark. I don't post very often. Uh, at some point, I'm going to revive my blog, which was blog.integratedrealities.com, or rather, it was augmentation at wordpress.com a long, long ass time ago, but I can't really access wordpress.com things from inside China because that's blocked too. Um, so uh, if I do How post hard something. going to set up a proxy. It's not, I'm I'm just... (laughs) I (laughs) thought that was the solution. I'm kind of just being a dick about it. (laughs) Um, But, uh, VPNs, yeah. Uh, But WeChat, on the other hand, is for for real-time social media at this point. That's what I'm using. Uh, uh, Keeping your phone connected to a VPN all the time means the battery really quickly, and so I don't really bother with Twitter at this point. Uh, So I've been effectively cut off from the, from, uh, the Western tech world. But um, uh, yeah, Twitter. You gotta keep coming back, dude. You gotta keep coming back out here. I'm. G- I'm gonna start spending more time in uh, in San Francisco for sure. New York eventually uh, again. Uh, but
3: yeah, Noa Zark Alpha, dude. yeah. And I'm. Uh, so I've. i My interactive agency was acquired this past year, um, and I just started up. Uh, a new home called bignoodle.com and it's going to be uh you know I'm, I'm still sticking to my physical computing guns but it's going to be a focus on vr so um so yeah i'm i can be found at bignoodle.com and there's very little there now but it's going to be a real kind of crazy next couple of months i think so uh the projects that i'm jumping into now should be represented there sweet sweet james um, at
4: James Blaha on Twitter it's probably the best way
1: to get get to me how
4: do you spell Baha? B-A-H-A. Blaha. B A H A just saying Blaha. yeah Word. cool well all the relevant notes
2: and links will be in the show notes uh stay tuned for this shall be this conversation shall be continued this is a lot of fun uh in the next show we'll talk about Rocco's Basilisk and bam i just condemned a bunch of people to eternal torture huh
1: is it, is we're, we're, already yeah, we're already gone. Yeah. By the way,
0: the I just, by the way, I just lost the game. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, that that subtle the game win. <laughs> 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 Unintentional.
2: <laughs> um, all right. I, I